It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood, the biggest pro big booty mix podcast in the history of this city. We are back for another week. It's Taylor Smythe, Banks, and RDT. And guys, the biggest storyline of the week is clearly in the world of sports here in the United States is the NFL Draft. Um, and the Ravens are going to be big movers and shakers this weekend. We have a long, extended draft preview with our f- good friend Bobby Trossett of WBAL. We'll jump into that in the middle of the episode. But just some quick preliminary draft talk within the three of us. Ravens make the big move trading Orlando Brown. That's sort of the, really, the besides the giant amount of quarterback talk in the NFL draft, was the biggest story of the week in the NFL. Ravens sending him to... Kansas City Chiefs they get the first round pick back and a couple of other things but mainly that 31st overall pick of the Chiefs is the big part of the deal there sending Orlando Brown to an AFC rival was a huge part of this storyline but now Eric DaCosta has these two picks to play with so Banks I'll throw it to you first first of all a quick thoughts on the trade and then how it relates back to the Ravens draft strategy which I think as we and we got into it with Bobby these picks are kind of centered around three specific needs for the Ravens. Um, one of them that is opened up by the fact that Orlando Brown, who has been the biggest story of the offseason, now in Kansas City. And the Ravens have some picks to play with. Yeah, so the Orlando Brown trade was something that was kind of a long time coming. As the weeks progressed, he became very quietly uh, – I, disgruntled is a strong word, but just a little bit antsy because he had made his thoughts made pretty clear to the organization that he wanted to move on. He wanted to be a left tackle. Um, that's his choice. It's his choice to make, to, to make such a demand. And um, he went and I think his agent helped to facilitate who was maybe interested and, and Eric DaCosta and, and the, the chiefs and some other teams had discussions. And um, it was interesting to read that really the negotiation started with, with the Ravens and chiefs determining what exact like pick value was he worth directly. He um, being a right tackle, you know, going into his fourth year, a year away from free agency. um, What was he worth if they were to do a trade straight up? And that's with the, the, the caveat that, the, the t- two teams didn't necessarily have those exact picks in order to kind of just go, you know, tit for tat for those, you know, for what that player value was. So they determined that he was roughly worth the 44th overall pick. And so they got their draft charts out, all different kinds of different variations that all these, you know, different people use and kind of just like aggregated them and, and had discussions and came to a middle ground on whatever the, the pick payout was in order to, level the playing field and make both teams feel like it was a fair trade. So um, that netted us the uh, second first round pick, which, uh, you know, Eric DaCosta with first round picks is dangerous for the league. I'll say, Um, you know, and this is just a mentality. I think I may mention in the interview here with Bobby here in a bit, but you know, all the other teams, they spend all their time, you know, talking about, who they're getting in free agency. They spend their money there. They put a lot of focus in, in all kinds of different places. And I think they all know that the draft is where your money's made. That's where teams are built, but teams cannot build teams solely through the draft as well as the Ravens are. Cause they're just so damn good at it. Their scouting department is head and shoulders above most, uh, maybe the best in the league uh, over the last 25 years. 
And this kind of gives them more leeway to kind of um, look at a situation where they get, they make a trade and, and, you know, honestly, first of all, them picking him in the third round three years ago is a stroke of genius. He fell to him, fell into their lap, but they believed in him and knew that he could play football and didn't put too much stock into the combine that kind of sunk his draft stock. And so they had him, he was great for us for three years. We're able to flip him for an asset that an asset that's probably worth more to us than it is to damn near every other team in the league. So they're, they've got their options here at the end of the first round. If they really want to package them and move up, they can do that. If they want to move back and get more picks, they can certainly do that. I would almost expect them to do that. Um, and at worst, we're going to get two first round Ravens, uh, you know, on Thursday night. And that's really exciting, really exciting. Yeah, I think I think that it's interesting that the Ravens. So the details of the trade for those that are you know living under a rock, I guess. Chiefs trade the number thirty-one overall, ninety-four overall, which is a third-round pick, one hundred and thirty-six overall, which is a fourth-round pick, and a twenty-twenty-two fifth in exchange for Brown. The Ravens gave up their twenty-twenty-one second and a twenty-twenty-two sixth. So the Ravens flip a guy they took in the third round for a first-round pick. A fourth-round pick and a third round that's around the same type of place they took Brown, which was at 83. Uh, they gave up the second. Now they have the two-thirds to potentially get a second back. They also could trade out a 31, get into the second round for a team trying to move up and get later picks. Um, the, I think the biggest sticking point here, if this isn't the Chiefs on the other end of the bargain, I think people react to this trade very differently. Obviously, you strengthen a team you are in direct competition with for all of your goals, which is a hard pill to swallow as a fan. And I think a rightful um, criticism of the trade. However, if you're the Ravens, you have to look at this a little bit more in a vacuum because you need to get the most value back for a guy that has no intention of staying on your team. So even if you send him to Kansas City and you're confident in the fact that you're a few pieces away, I think it's a trade you make in order to make yourself better in both the short term because you have a first-round pick, and we've seen first-round guys come on and, and be outstanding for teams in Super Bowl runs, and in the long term because you, at the best, if you let him walk, you were going to get a comp pick. So now you've sort of restocked a little bit of draft draft capital, giving yourself the ability to move around for an impact player. Now, like we said, the Ravens could theoretically move up in the draft. They don't do that often, but could move up in the first round and grab somebody or move down and accumulate some picks and, and address some needs. So while it, it it is, I think, definitely a fair criticism to say, why does it have to be Kansas City? Couldn't have been anybody else. Um, and you've allowed Kansas City to fill a very big need at, at the tackle position because they're – at left tackle position because they've you know let Eric Fisher go. They need to replace two tackles. Um, I think the Ravens at that point have to take the best return back to maneuver around and and fill needs that they have. Um, and as we get into it, you know, as we look at now the draft on Thursday, Ravens with 27 and 31. It feels like, and we, we got into this with Bobby. Feels like wide receiver, tackle, and edge rusher are the three positions that the Ravens will look at to address high in the draft. Um, and we'll see how Eric DaCosta, how Eric DaCosta plays it. So it should be interesting. I was going to ask you guys what, what you thought, because, again, that was the first thing I saw on social media on Friday was, oh, they're, they're trading with, you know, the guy standing in the way. I don't think Eric DaCosta gives a shit who he trades with. I think, again, like Taylor, like you were saying, I think if it helps the team, 
and and you can get a good haul again for a guy that was going that you were only going to get probably a third round comp pick for. Like I don't think I the Costa would probably trade with the Steelers if it came down to it if he thought it would help the team. Like you know he I don't did think it last would, year. Yeah, see, like I like I don't. It, I don't. I think Eric DaCosta doesn't look at stuff like that, or even anyone in the Ravens, and just if the, he makes us better, yeah, send him over. So, I, but again, people were not throwing fits, but upset about that, and and yeah. you know, making it, it the Chiefs' offense very strong because they they have reloaded that offensive line. It doesn't put a good taste in anybody's mouth, but at the bottom, at the end of the day, if it betters your team and it's the best offer they got, and I mean, maybe it's a consideration to some degree, but. If it's the best offer they got, then you can't you can't hold yourself back from from making yourself better and improving your your chances. I mean, this is this first round pick may actually have been the Chiefs' lifeline to infuse their roster with some talent, and we're swindling them. So make some sense of that. And and by the way, we're if if we go and pick a right tackle, we're going to be paying him on a rookie contract, and then they're going to go pay Orlando Brown at 15 million, 20 million, maybe, maybe more like that puts them in a position where they're hand tying, you know, handcuffing themselves and um, are kind of strapping themselves into a situation that um, yeah, it's a great right tackle and maybe it's a value, maybe it's not, but um, that's one bigger piece of their cap picture. And we've kind of cleared ourselves of that. So it's there. You can look at it from all kinds of angles and I'm sure both sides did, and, you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, th- I really think it's a trade that probably benefits both teams. You would think that there is an understanding between the Chiefs and Brown that they will extend him as their left tackle of the future. He wants to play left tackle. They need a left tackle. They're trying to protect Patrick Mahomes. The other thing that the Chiefs know is that they are going to go all out to win the Super Bowl every year because they've got a guy that can win the Super Bowl. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is at this point the best quarterback in the NFL. So you have to get, you have to you know make sure you're not you know giving away years on your offensive line. So you have to you know go out and maybe sell out a little bit more to make sure you're addressing those needs with a guy like him. And then as we said on the Ravens side, as you said, Eric, I think you put it up well. I don't think he cares. I just think Eric DaCosta is trying to get the best deal. He can get as many assets back and then sort of figure out what happens. I, he re, he reminds me, you know, a little bit. And then now this name is escaping me as I'm as I'm gonna say as I'm gonna try to make this comparison. Uh, Sam Presti from Oklahoma, the Oklahoma City Thunder, who you know we talk a lot about NBA on this show, but doesn't care at all who he trades with as long as he gets the best return back. Trades James Harden to Houston and. and trades Paul George to the Clippers as long as he gets as much back he's going to bet on his organization's ability to figure it out Um, and I think that's kind of what Eric DaCosta has done but obviously a giant story two of the best three or four teams in the AFC making a blockbuster trade is just something you don't see very often Um, and that's what the Ravens and the Chiefs did so you know the Ravens have given the Chiefs the ability to strengthen and the Chiefs have certainly given the Ravens the ability to strengthen as well so very interesting and two teams that are no doubt very high maybe the two most confident teams in the league at what they're doing organizationally. I mean, we've seen the Chiefs transform into a tremendously well-run operation um, that, you know, drafts to what, you know, the type of personnel they want, that has been ahead of trends, and the Ravens are trying to do the exact same thing. So kind of fun to watch those teams um, deal in that space. Uh, We'll move quickly. We a ton of NFL draft talk. 
with Bobby. So we'll we'll allow that to sit. That that's where you get your full preview. Went through you know names, different scenarios, talked about the draft as a whole. We'll quickly touch on the Baltimore Orioles, um, who took a game against the Yankees uh, last night. They lose tonight. Um, they continue to kind of um, meander in this sort of three two to four game ones under 500 type of range I think the biggest story and we've said it this week I mean Cedric Mullins is becoming an electric baseball player right now and and becoming a guy that makes you want to tune in and that was my biggest takeaway from that first game against the Yankees last night is every time he came up I just felt that you felt like a lot of things could happen that were fun and there's not a lot of guys in the Orioles order that you feel that about so nice to have that from Cedric Mullins kind of nice to see him get a little national spotlight too we're trending maybe, Eric, towards two Orioles All-Stars. I'm not really sure how both those guys, if this, if you know, we rolled in the All-Star break today, wouldn't be All-Stars. You could even throw in Cesar Valdez, and you could, <laughs> you could have three guys there. I mean, the dead fish could be flopping, you know, in Cleveland. Or not Cleveland, in Colorado. Um, I mean, you know, obviously they're going to get one because of the worst rule in sports, I think. or I, I think that's so stupid. But, yeah, I mean, you can make a case for John Means, obviously, being up there. And Cedric Mullins is, is playing really, 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 really well. I mean, he was kind of coming into today. He was number one in baseball and hits again. Um, he kind of dipped down, and, and he, but he's back up there now. I mean, the two bombs last night were like – I he hit one on Utah Street. The guy's like 5'7". Yeah, those are both absolute no-doubters. Those oh, yeah. And it's, the one they, they, weren't, they weren't easy. Yeah, the Yankee Stadium won a couple weeks ago. That was, that was a bomb. It's a legit bomb. I mean, he had a great catch last night, too. I think he kind of misjudged the ball and lost it. Um, but he's playing gold glove defense. He's, I think I, I read, too, he this year already he has more hits against lefties than he had in his first three years combined. And, I mean, all the credit in the world to him for switching or for not being a switch hitter anymore, for shutting that down and, and just rolling lefty on lefty because he is – I wish he would have done it two years ago. I mean, he would have been a beast. So, he's – yeah, he's him and John Means – are the reason that people are turning on Orioles games right now. Like John Means has been pitching out of his mind. Another great start this weekend. Um, absolutely shoved against the athletics. And, and you know, those two guys, like I said, Cesar Valdez, I mean, coming into the air, I, I think you would have thought that we were crazy. If you, if you said, you know, Cedric Mullins and Valdez were, were guys that are getting us excited. But, you know, here we are. Yeah, the, the, the Valdez thing is fun, man. He comes in the game and – it's just, it's just one of the, it's one of the more interesting, um, baseball things that I think just no one is talking about. That the Orioles have a closer that is just throwing changeups. It's just like seventy-four mile an hour changeups. It's just thirty-seven years old or whatever. Eighty percent of his pitches are changeups. It's an amazing, it's an amazing story. He just changes the arm slots, and he has hard changeups and soft changeups. It's so great. I love it. The one thing I wanted to say about Cedric Mullins, because I, I we did this with John Means last week, the age-old, if you're playing well for the Orioles, will you get flipped? He feels like a guy that's going to stay on the team because the way his, his organizational control is, you know, he's a guy that could factor in if you feel like you can project him out. If the Orioles want to be competitive in 2023 or 2024, you know, he's going to be 29 and, you know, be a guy that you're probably not paying a ton of money to at that point still. So... Yeah, I mean, again, the homegrown guy, you know, you brought him up through the system. Guy who literally was making a LinkedIn because he thought he was going to be done playing baseball. And he makes that all-star team. Um, he's, a, he's a great story, too. He's just so much fun to root for. 
um, goes out there with that, that mustache that we post every, every mains day is, is just so funny. Um, I know his wife said she made him sh- uh, shave it, but he's he, he's just so much fun to watch. I talk direct quote from Dallas Braden, who called the game on Sunday for the A's. Um, I said, what did you think of Means and watching him? I said, I'm glad you got to see that up close and personal. And his direct quote was, I'm aroused. And he was like, I just love how he attacks hitters. He has a plan. Like his changeup is just so good. And he was like, his pace on the mound is awesome. He doesn't mess around. Like he, he, he's up there to throw strikes and that's all he wants to do. So. I, I'm happy he's getting national attention too. And, and, you know, because 2019, he was great. He kind of got robbed in the all-star game, not making an appearance, but, and, you know, really tough year for him last year. I'm, I'm super excited to see, to see him having all the success in the world right now. Yeah. There, there are some really good stories in the Soto Orioles team. We've touched on Mullins, touched on Valdez, touched on means. I mean, Matt Harvey, I mean, what a, what a night for that guy. I mean, mm-hmm. to do that against a New York team after everything he's been through, and to go out there against the anemic Yankees offense, but still, you know, the names are there. Um, it's just really cool. I mean, and the, and the Orioles, despite not having, you know, the big names on the roster, maybe could go, you know, story for story with any team in the league. We didn't even touch on Trey Mancini. So uh, pretty cool. And a lot of guys, at the very least, if a team is not going to compete for a playoff spot, a lot of guys that are very fun to root for on, on the Orioles and, and support. Um, so they will continue on long series here, um, four games against the Yankees um, for the Orioles to, to go through. Uh, Bruce Zimmerman obviously had a tough night tonight, the home homegrown kid, um, but the, the Orioles have split through two. And then, as I try to look this up on the fly, I believe they go out west, correct? Uh, I haven't looked that far ahead. I think Oh, come on, RDT, right, come on. Though? Yep, go at Oakland, at Seattle, oh, some 10 o'clock baseball. Let me tell you what, that is going to work out great for our Tuesday, May fourth recording. We'll just those those are going to be those are going to be tough to stay up for those 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 West Coast ones. Um, and then I think they're home. I think middle of May they're home. And thanks, I know I at least plan on going to a game. We have a friend coming down. Um, Taylor, you're more than welcome to join us at Pickles. For which games? Uh, the the, the, right Yan- the, Yan- the Yankees games, May fifteenth, I think. Okay, the Red Sox are also in town. Uh, two week back to back home weekend series, Boston and New York. That's fun. That's good. Give me stuff. a lot. I I foresee a lot of pickles time in our future. Mm, that's that's always good. That's always good. And somebody we were talking about having some pickles time with is our guest on the show this week, Bobby Trasser from WBAL, came on and talked about the draft. We broke it down for. I feel like about as many angles as you could have wanted. Ravens need some potential names to look out for um, in the Ravens draft picks and just some general draft talk. Um, I think the three of us have varying levels of interest in the draft, um, but Bobby was a great uh, resource for us to have on. Um, It'll be hosting all WBL's draft coverage over the next three days. So let's get into our interview with Bobby Trossett. Something magic happens. Back on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood with WBAL's Bobby Trossett. Bobby, great to have you. Second time on the show, and I think we got to jump right into it. You've had NFL draft guests for the last few weeks. I saw Mel Kuyper, Dorothy's from the Ravens. What's your you know, biggest – I'm going to ask you a very general question. Your biggest storyline heading in to the NFL draft on Thursday from a Ravens perspective? Yeah, yeah. First of all, good to be back. Round two. Let's let's keep this thing going. You know what? Uh, twice every two months, three months or so. So, 
We're at a good rate. I uh, love what you guys are doing with the pod, of course, and on social media. But yeah, I guess just you got to start with with what they did last Friday. You know, a classic Friday news dump, sending a guy who you know we can probably all agree is is the essence, the epitome of of what it means to be a Raven to the rival. You know, and Orlando Brown Jr. of course talking about a third season he had just completed from Oklahoma somebody who showed his versatility last year more so than anybody perhaps in the entire NFL, definitely on the Ravens. But you know, I think deservingly so this, this fan base is upset. They're a little confused. Then again, when you give DaCosta another first round draft pick to play with, we know that that can be advantageous. So to me, it's obviously, what are you doing with the 27th and 31st? Are you moving back? Do you have something up your sleeve? Um, personally, I'll just come right out and say it. I think that one of those two selections has to be an offensive lineman. You know, we, we, we've been talking about our boards and whatnot, what we have and haven't done, uh, before we started recording and look in talking to Mel and talking to some of the, the scouts for the Ravens, this is just, there's too much of a void to be filled right now that Orlando leaves behind not to address that right out of the gate. So for me, you find yourself a right tackle with either 27 or 31, and you bring in one of these playmaking wide receivers who, look, Mel has not minced his words whatsoever. He thinks this is one of the deepest wide receiver drafts in recent memory. It'll probably be the same next year, and um, somebody's going to fall to the late round that, that they could very well use. And, of course, we're going to have to get into the, the what you guys have already gotten into as well in recent weeks. And that's the, the, the comments from, from Eric DaCosta, you know, in terms of kind of backing up the wide receivers, sort of coming at and answering the, the, the discontent, I think he called it, from the fan base. So I think without question, though, that's, that's what's on my mind going into, what, 48 hours removed and, and less than when this thing drops to the opening round. Yeah, it's well said. I think that pretty much covered what everybody's thinking about in this first round. It's hard not to imagine, though, that there's not going to be some movement. If there's anything that Eric DaCosta, Ozzie Newsom, whoever it might be, if there's one thing that you can almost count on, you can set your watch to it when it comes to the first round with the Ravens, there's going to be some movement, whether it be back, forward, whatever it might be. They are so committed to their board and they like to batch their players, it seems like in kind of tiers and if they can have multiple players in a given tier that are on the board when they're on the clock they almost look to move back I mean we had the situation that I think was covered a little bit by Jeff Zerebic um, on The Athletic about how the whole 2018 draft shook out when they had Hayden Hurst and then they traded back in for Lamar Jackson of course the Lamar Jackson piece is the story of that draft and it will be for a lot of years but there was a lot of movement that related to that first pick involving Hayden Hurst, where they were in a spot, uh, I forget the exact number, but late in the teens where they had Hurst, DJ Moore, and may, uh, was it Derwin James, maybe? I can't remember the, the, the third name, but all three were on the board and they said, hey, we, we can move back. And one of these three names are still going to be there. They went back to 22. They did it again. And then they saw one of the three guys go at 23 and they said, Hey, we better move back up to 25. So they're always looking to accumulate assets. Uh, Eric DaCasa said that we, we're going to look for 20 players over the next two drafts. Right now they have 18 picks 
for the next two drafts or they're projected to um, given, you know, the compensation picks and all that for free agent departures, but they're in order to hit that number of 20, they're going to have to pick up two more picks along the way, which of course can happen this, you know, at any point over the next, you know, 14 rounds of drafting that Eric Costa is going to do. But um, as it pertains to the first round there, having two picks in such close proximity, it almost feels like they're, you know, I would be stunned if there's not a movement in one direction or the other. And it seems like it's always going to be back when it comes to the Ravens. Hey, let's not forget too, that edge rusher is obviously a major, major need. Yeah. And yep. I would not be surprised whatsoever if somebody like, and I'll go to the board. I Here love when you, I Here love the go. going to the board. It, 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 it put to the Hold side and then he swings it back over. <laughs> This thing oh, is not a normal piece of paper. This thing yeah. is – it looks like a manila folder that you've just extended into a, a taller piece of paper. Is that what, what I'm, we're looking at? Hey, when you're a freelance play-by-play guy, this, this is what you do. Yes. You yeah. Know? Yep. <laughs> it's well color-coded and everything. You guys should see it. Yeah. Yeah. It, the handwriting is atrocious. But nonetheless, <laughs> um, I spoke today with uh, Joe Hortiz, who, as you guys know, is the, is the Ravens – director of player personnel and you know he didn't tip his hand anything obviously and i i tried when you, you also have to <laughs> i respect, bet you did <laughs> i was just gonna say right you, you kind of have to respect the relationship between team partner and team you know you 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 weighed those waters as you will and and i'm learning as i go but for somebody who hasn't been in the market as long as, as some of these other guys but Aziz Ojulari is somebody who is is screaming off the boards here. People seem to be talking about him a lot. Red shirt sophomore out of Georgia, 6'3", 240. I asked these scouts and I asked Joe point blank. I said, are we talking about the best pure speed rusher in the class? And, of course, they, you know, they, they kind of tiptoed around that answer. But it was clear that he's impressive. And if he's there, who knows? I mean, look, Matthew Judon is somebody who – you, you, you look back on his career, really his, his ascension out of Grand Valley State and what they were able to develop in, him into. I think a lot of uh, fans, though, look back at, at, at him in, in a conflicted way as the, the, the Baltimore police stops outside my Fells Point residence and all I see is red and blue. <laughs> but, uh, and I have my – okay. <laughs> you on your toes here, bud. I, have, I was just thinking. I was like, okay, what did you I? Gotta hide do? anything in the apartment? <laughs> I got stogies, you know. That's, that's it. But nonetheless, when when you when you think about it, main point I'm trying to bring up is that you have to make up for the production that Judah left, even even if you weren't totally pleased um, about what he was last year, right? He was still productive on the edge for them, and they're going to have to compensate for that. Yeah, it feels like at this point it's going to be one of three positions. It's going to be an offensive lineman, wherever that is on the offensive line. It's going to be wide receiver. It's going to be edge rusher. Um, no matter what their movement is, those will be the top three picks. Now, the Ravens have shown the ability to throw that all out and take the best player on their board regardless of position, but those are very clearly the three most glaring needs that they have. I think that Ravens fans are going to have the expectation that wide receiver has to be one of those first two picks. And then when that doesn't happen, there is going to be this giant outrage about why there wasn't a wide receiver. 
But as you said, Bobby, and I, you said back to Mel saying, and he has, he's had Terrence Marshall as the Ravens pick at 27, I think for like five consecutive mock drafts. So he's convinced they're taking a wide receiver. I do think the depth at that position, you know, if the Ravens want to trade back into the second round, you know, they could probably get a pretty good wide receiver um, somewhere in the second or the third round. Um, but that is not going to make people very happy. And that is, to me, the most interesting fan reaction when the Ravens go, you know, edge rusher, offensive tackle, if they stay at those two picks, you know. And Rashad Bateman is sitting there, and everyone who has watched Rashad Bateman YouTube clips, and Rashad Bateman's awesome, or Terrence Marshall, whoever it is. Um, that the, the public perception of that will be very interesting, especially, as you said, speaking to Eric DaCosta's comments from last week about how, you know, we're upset at the criticism wide receivers get. We have confidence in Duvernay and Prochet and Hollywood Brown and all these guys. You know, we've done better than you think drafting wide receivers. And then you look at the history and, you know, we praise Eric DeCosta as much as any podcast, but, you know, they haven't had a strong history drafting wide receivers, just a fact. So that the wide receiver part of it, when wide receiver is coming into a Ravens draft near the top of where the Ravens are picking, that is always a fun storyline. And it will no doubt be interesting as we go through the first round. Hey, and, and what you said too, Taylor, with when you least expect it, right? When, when if, if, if a wide receiver at 27 and 31 and 32 come and go, and all of a sudden, you know, no, playmakers are still on the board. I and mean, we saw it last year, right, with J.K. Dobbins. And, and although I, I can remember some uproars, I can remember some people that were rarely upset, whether it was calling into the show for us or whether it was uh, – Trolls online, whatever it might have been. There there were people that were upset. And then look how that pick turned out to be. I mean, if, if JK's not on the roster at this point, how do you feel about the Ravens rushing attack? You feel okay because Gus Edwards is very capable and a number one on what? Half the teams in the league, I would say. Maybe maybe that's a little generous, but uh d- double digit teams in the league, I I would I would I would pin him at a at to, to be a number one back every down back. But um so Hey, they're going to continue to do what, what what they've done for what? This is their 26th draft. Um, they're going to pick the best possible availability wise, you know, over over need. It's just it's just how it's going to be, you know. So that's why I wouldn't be surprised if they go edge rusher at 27, and you know, hey, a, a bit, we'll go back to the board here. Okay, here we go. <laughs> a little a little quick switch up. And let's say a guy like da, 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 Christian Derisaw or Taven Jenkins is on the board at 31. I don't know if there will be. Maybe somebody like Dylan Radon, something like that, right? Somebody like that. I mean, you just, you just don't know. So I guess that would make that's what makes Thursday night so so much fun, so entertaining, um, and and we know they're going to be a fortress up until, um, you know, up until pick time. One of the things I, I chatted with, with the scouts today, specifically a uh, Hortiz was, cause I, I'm not really familiar with this. I don't know if you guys are, but w- what's the timing like when it comes to shifting around, right? Whether you're going back, you're moving up. Is this something that happens um, in advance? Is this something that happens from a call an hour before is this something that happens based on maybe a surprising move within the first 10 to 15 picks? And he didn't necessarily pinpoint it. It's, it's, it seems to fluctuate. It can happen days in advance, he said. Uh, he even cited, man, I, back in 
I can't remember the example it gave me, but I, I found that to be interesting that you know, there's really not a timeline on it whatsoever. It seems like there's always a lot of contingent discussions like, Hey, if this plays out the way that this goes, like we'll, we'll talk about this when this comes up, this, that, and the other this week. And it comes up every single draft week. I just get sucked into just reading every war room story I possibly can uh, from whoever wants to write them just about, I mean, you always seem to get these stories four or five years after the stories went down. So, you know, last year we got a little bit of, you know, the Ravens were kind of, kind of coveting um, Jalen Ramsey a little bit in the, in the draft where they ended up with Ronnie Stanley and conversations about what could have happened there, who they could have moved up with if the picks fell a certain way. One of the ones that lives in infamy here in Baltimore is the Byron Leftwich one um, way back in the day. Um, didn't love how that one turned out, but uh, they did get Terrell Suggs in that draft and, and got Kyle Bowler uh, instead for a quarterback. So that's, that's kind of the, the downside of that story, but still just hearing these conversations about how these, these GMs kind of call each other up and they say, Hey, like, what are you hearing? What, you know, what do you, you know, if, if this plays out that way, this way, whatever, what would you be willing to give up? What would you need to move up this, that, and the other, like, it's all fascinating to me. And if they could, I think that this would be a brilliant idea. This is all coming together to me. If they, if the, all the GMs or the league could like force the GMs or whatever, they don't necessarily need to do this live because I just, obviously you can't, you can't show everybody's hand, but if they were to do like a 24 seven type deal or like a, like a, uh, what's the, I can't believe I'm blanking on the hard knocks, like hard knocks where they mic mic up these GMs and then like, I don't know, a week after the draft when the, you know, the NFL is a lot less content as they always, they always find ways to find content, but this could be a new idea for them. If they could produce some sort of like NFL turning point for the draft, like here's where this discussion really popped off and here's where this conversation kind of led to this and led to that. And here's what could have been. It's always the, what could have been's that, that really drag people in. I think it'd be fantastic content and they should think about it. I think that would shed a ton of light. And one of the things I thought about when you were talking, uh, you made the point that, you know, in the weeks leading up to the draft, right. A lot of stuff is resurfaced, whether it's warranted or not. Typically it's a lot of, you know, what, and, <laughs> and we've seen that with Justin Fields from an, a, a medical standpoint, you know, the Ohio state quarterback expected to go at some point you would think, in the top 10, but who knows? I mean, he might end up being one of those guys who falls. Why? I don't know. You get resurfacing that, he, and he confirmed this, he's managing epilepsy, which is a neurological disorder that causes seizures. It's family-based, I guess. Uh, and, and the info leaked during the pre-draft process. I mean, here's a guy who... <laughs> Here's a guy. Here's a guy. Here's a guy. Here's a guy. <laughs> He's also, he was reading off the entire epilepsy thing. He read off from his sheet. He has it all written down. <laughs> I did. I did. The pros I pro. No, you, went from, you went from the pros pro of looking down the sheet and reading up and looking up every two seconds as you were reading it off right into a, here's a guy. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> Didn't have the, here's a guy in there though. That's, that's just from my, uh, I don't know, maybe, 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 maybe the little Collinsworth trait in me, but nonetheless, we all remember what he did during the playoff 
you know, goes down with just a brutal injury and, and shows all of the, the toughness in his, I mean, he, he's, his DNA is made of toughness. He's derived of toughness. And, and the guy shows you that he's dual threat. He shows he's got great accuracy. He shows you that he's a gamer. I don't know if it'll translate to the next level, but what hasn't he shown you that he may not. So, it, you know, that's what I thought about banks, just BS like that coming up and, and, and hopefully it doesn't, uh, heard his stock on Thursday. People trying to be out there sinking other people's stock for for their own gain, probably. Like I, I am wide open about. I think Jalen Waddle's way too small, and everybody else who is in front of the Ravens is crazy if they think about taking him with that size. <laughs> They'd be nuts to do it. I'll make sure every GM here knows it. the 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 interesting part about the the, the quarterback aspect of this is the amount of quarterbacks in play in the first round is going to make the top 20 or so picks kind of wild. Because if if quarterbacks start falling, teams are going to trade up to get those guys. Um, and, and, and the quarterbacks are projected, except for Lawrence at one and Wilson at two, which seems pretty locked in at this point. When you start at three, it was San Francisco, who is just, you know, uh, I don't know what they're doing from a, a, from a publicity standpoint. Shanahan stay and stuff. John Lynch is at p- different pro days. They don't seem to know what they want to do, and they've had pretty much all. Th- they've had Mac Jones projected to them. They've had Fields projected to them. They've had. They now Trey Lance is now the hot one. That speaking of guys that we've seen do nothing. I mean, we've seen him do absolutely nothing Literally essentially nothing. at the college <laughs> level. Um, it's we, they, the draft starts at three. I love when the draft doesn't start at one. Draft starts at three. Uh, and depending on what they do, that is going to send ripple effects through the rest of the top ten, which a team like the Ravens kind of hovering in the shadows in the 20s, you know, you can take advantage of, you know, things getting wacky at the top of the draft and have guys fall to you um, that maybe wouldn't, or, you know, have a team that gets desperate at the bottom of the draft try to come back in and get somebody. So I'm just interested to see how the – and Fields is, I think – He's kind of the guy that is the swing, you know, evaluation of all these teams. Is he going to somehow fall to 15 in New England? Is he going to somehow fall to 19 to the Washington football team? It, Mac Jones is a guy that was, you know, a fourth round pick, you know, five months ago, and now he's, you know, potentially at three. It's it's very very interesting. The whole, the whole quarterback, you know, musical chairs to me is going to kind of define what these teams in the 20s get, um, depending on... Because I don't think any of these guys are getting past 20, but teams moving up and, and, and doing different things to get them could help guys fall if you're Baltimore or one of these teams in the 20s. The thing with Justin Fields that weirds me out is that he was an all-world recruit, like once in a yes. once or twice in a generation-level recruit, and he went to Georgia, and there were some incidents that happened there, and he he, he went on his way, went to Ohio State, uh, sat for a year and then was pretty much awesome. I mean, he in one year as a starter, he was an awesome quarterback, showed the toughness in the playoff and 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 like lit the world on fire in the one game and uh, pretty much showed his worth, did everything he possibly could, went to the combine, looked pretty damn good there. Um, and then he, now he's fifth in line, supposedly. I mean, how does that happen? It just, it makes no sense. So... The interesting part is he, his trajectory right now is exactly what happened to Dwayne Haskins a few years ago in a similar situation. Obviously, he has one tremendous year as an Ohio State quarterback, and that's gone. That's been a disaster. So hopefully, that is not the sort of stigma that is getting put onto Justin Fields as Dwayne Haskins' inability to perform at this level. But 
it, I think, Bobby, you put it perfectly. In a world where everyone's always like, well, can they do it in the biggest moment? Can, can they do it, you know, when the lights are on brightest? Can they do it when they have a little adversity? You know, these pampered five-star quarterbacks. He did it. He, he, I mean, a lot of guys would not have been back in that game in the college football playoff, and he was absolutely tremendous against a program that, ever, that you know, pumps out 10 NFL guys a year. So, My favorite underdog piece to all around the quarterbacks is that, you know, Trey Lance, who – like, like we're talking about, right? Could very well go three, could slip, who knows? Now we got the motorcycle crew down at Fells Point. All right, perfect timing <laughs> on my answer. Great stuff. Um, you guys know too, this time of year, Fells just becomes, it goes from a ghost town to a boater town. And we all know what that means. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, Trey Lance had, what? Just a couple of years ago, no offers from power five schools and now he could very well go number three so you know just a cool story there haven't watched much of him i mean who who watched much of north dakota state um but you know there's another guy on my board just get back to my board for a second here. <laughs> um yeah dylan radons the guy the aforementioned dylan radons the 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 tackle four-year senior out of uh, out of north dakota played Played with Trey. He had an ACL tear. This is somebody who I think the Ravens, who knows? Maybe they're maybe they're looking at him, but he had an ACL tear his freshman year in 2017. And after that, started every game for the Bison since since that recovery. Um, you know, so who knows? But I, I like Trey's story. I like the underdogs. But who knows, man? You're, I, I'm with you, Taylor. The way the way the the way the quarterbacks shake out at the top of the draft will will absolutely have a trickle-down effect on the opening round. And then, you know, the the, the other storyline that I always love with the Ravens, with Ozzie Newsom still, you know, kind of around, is they just picked the best Alabama guy in the first round that's, <laughs> yeah. that gets them, which is possible considering that a guy like Landon Dickerson, you know, was had an incredible college career. He has major injury concerns. Um, but at the bottom of the first round, do the Ravens take a shot with him? If they want to go, you know, with, you know, defensive line help, Christian Barmore is a guy I think that, you know, at times has, you know, early in the draft process was somebody I saw mocked to the Ravens. As their need for outside rushers has become more apparent, that's sort of where that defensive line interest has shifted. But, you know, I don't think the Ravens organization never shies away from taking uh, guys from Alabama. So that also has to be taken into effect. And then the the great campaign that Banks is doing to smear Jalen Waddle could drop him to the Ravens as well. You can't you have to take I'm that. under you would think the NFL GMs are listening to this. And, I'm under and no illusion that he's gonna fall to twenty seven, but I you know, if he if he can work his way down to maybe the late teens, maybe around twenty, you know, maybe EDC picks up the phone and, you know, something could happen. So never know. Don't underestimate the banks camp the, the bank's camp impact, you know, whether it be digitally or. I talk to seven GMs <laughs> and. Do we, do we even want to touch on this, this Bucky Brooks, Lamar Jackson thing? Is it even worth discussing? I think the only thing worth discussing is that Lamar about half an hour ago, actually clap back, clap back a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you caught did. that. He, did. So, he does not do that often. Yeah, no, he doesn't hardly at all. I mean, I we know that he notices things. He kind of hinted at that a little bit when he changed, what was it, his his header photo or something to the him burning the newspaper. Like he definitely listens to all the hate out there, and he hears the noise. 
Um, and he doesn't really fight fight back. But this time, you know, I think he's maybe feeling a little feeling a little bold. And um, you know, good for him, man. If he wants to have a chip on his shoulder, I'm all for it. I uh, love the quote tweet that we're referencing here. Of course, it's it's in response to what Taylor brought up. This this Bucky Brooks comment about you know, look, it's, it's stemming from the original. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. This is all this conversation, right? Which is just bored off season talk, internet clickbait, whatever you want to talk about, however you want to call it. It stems from the New York Post article, right? That it's essentially claiming that you know some team. And in this case, they're claiming that it would be the college offense army of the NFL Baltimore Ravens would not re-sign their quarterback who was the unanimous MVP, uh, you know, just an un- unbelievable offensive juggernaut, something that we haven't seen since Michael Vick, yada, 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 right? And, and let him walk after five years and, and, and let the rookie deal just sit and not re-sign him. So, right? Isn't that what the epicenter? Uh, yeah, of all- essentially. Yeah, essentially that, and that you could just plug and play any quarterback with a similar skill set and have a similar amount of success. <laughs> and I guess the theory would be that that you then run them out. You run them out for four to five years on the rookie deal, then have them graduate every four, four or five years. Right. <laughs> so you would just you know bring guys through which i guess theoretically in a in a world where you were just pumping out Lamar Jacksons every single you know every 4 to 5 years you could then save money and build your team around a rookie quarterback deal which is what everyone you know is the is the dream of every team to get a quarterback on their rookie deal in the third or fourth year that can lead you to the Super Bowl cuz you have a lot more you know salary cap room to to do do stuff the problem with it the, and they use Trey Lance as Justin Fields and the obvious problem with this theory that you you kind of you know explain there bobby is you know like not everybody is lamar jackson so great that justin fields can also have some dual threat ability trey lance also has some dual threat ability that's great they don't have that dual threat ability so if you're trying to have your quarterback rush for a thousand yards there's not that many guys in the history of the league that have done that so you know it i it's kind of crazy it's very crazy it's very crazy i just you pretty much hit the nail on head on all that stuff. So like, yeah, for every four or five years, not only does, does a Lamar Jackson have to show up for this to theoretically work out. You also have to be lucky enough to be one of the 32 teams to be there in the right spot to take them. It's it's, it's like college. They, they want it to be like college where you just recruit guys to come in. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't work like, work like that. that yeah. And the other, the other thing is, as you said, and we've, we've talked about for 20 minutes now about the unpredictability of the draft you can't go into a draft and just have have the idea be that you're going to get one certain player. There's, you know, multiple options and it can't be to like replace Lamar Jackson with a college quarterback. It was it was Bobby goes exactly back what you said. It was off season, you know, can we fire up, you know, a 48-hour news cycle around a certain comment similar to the a little bit of the exchange that that John Harbaugh and Rich Eisen had today that you you know we touched on a little bit at the top about had the Ravens, why have the Ravens not picked up his fifth year option? Why have they not picked it up? And you know, John Harbaugh was very, very emphatic that they were going to pick up Lamar Jackson's fifth year option. No matter how far away these two parties are in contract talks, this is going to get done. The Ravens have the Ravens have gone all in here, and unless they make a giant organizational shift in a very short period of time, 
this is where they've charted their path for the next 10 years of their organizational future. It is on the, the shoulders and the feet and the legs of, of Lamar Jackson. So I, I think most of this stuff is just trying to fill our time at this point, talking about the contract extension. Um, and we've kind of been consistent on that for a few weeks, I think. But I don't think the, the draft is going to be built around helping that guy win the Super Bowl. I mean, that's, that's where the Ravens are right now. Hey, the objective was clear, right, for that offseason um, goal, and I think it was met. It, it worked. <laughs> There's been a lot of chatter about it, you know, they, it, whether it was the Post or, you know, Brooks or whoever. It, it worked. Everybody's been chatting about it, but whatever. I mean, it's not, you know, to me it's sort of uh, kind of touch and go. We'll talk about it tomorrow morning just briefly, and, and we'll, we'll talk about it the way we are right now. You know, it's just – Look, they're not abandoning what they, to your point, Taylor, have, have gone all in on. And, um, you know, they, they feel they're a few pieces away from being able to compete and, and with Kansas City and, and maybe even get past, you know, one round of the playoffs. I mean, that's where we're at right now. And, and, and I have questions as to, look, teams around them are getting better. Maybe not Pittsburgh and, and Cincinnati per se, but Cleveland, to me, I don't know. This could, we can open this up for debate another time. We could chat about it now, but I might be taking Cleveland to come out of the AFC North. They're making moves, but they're doing what they do best, which is win free agency. So, I mean, I'm going to stand, I'm going to take that stance every day of the week. Uh, this here is where we win, you know, a little, uh, uh, shoot, uh, uncut gems uh gif right there for you this is where we win <laughs> there you go <laughs> uh this is this is the super bowl of the off season and yeah the free agency stuff is really exciting and creates headlines and stuff but you just look at two different organizations that use different philosophies and you can say hey man you got you got clowny you got you know look at this team on paper they're they're the paper champions all the time especially in the last three four years but when it comes to the draft, when it comes to organization, when it comes to the coaching, when it comes to the big picture, you know, I like our chances. Hey, and I do too. I like Kevin Stefanski. I mean, I'm not yeah. down middle of the road here, right? He's doing you good know, things. You know me. I like Stefanski a lot. I like the local boy, Andrew Barry. Um, is he Bel Air guy? Do we yep, know that? Bel Air, okay, yep. Um, and I, I'm with you, Banks. They, they are, right, the New York Yankees of the last 10 years Man, on paper, they're unbelievable. Can't win the playoffs. Well, I don't know. I, I, I'm seeing right now. All I bring it up because um, they got work to do. You know, they got work to do, and and DeCosta knows that with these nine draft picks. I mean, they got to. You have to find yourself an Orlando Brown Jr. replacement. And I know he wasn't perfect, but he was pretty damn good. And can you imagine where that left tackle spot would have been if one he didn't have the versatility, or two he wasn't in the building? when Ronnie Stanley went down with that devastating ankle injury. It could have been a major, major glaring hole, and we would have been looking at that offense so much differently. And you think about – we haven't even talked about him and what he does for the rushing attack. So that's something that, uh, you know, right like we like we talked about at the top, Taylor, That's that's been on the front of my mind since, since Friday, and it'll continue to do going into, you know, Thursday night and beyond. And I think it I think it has to be at this point because, you know, obviously you trade Orlando Brown, so you lose your starting right tackle. You have Ronnie Stanley at left tackle, but 
you know, devastating injury is the word you use, and I think they're the right one. You don't know necessarily what he's going to look like. You hope with the way guys recover at this point from these injuries, he steps in and he's fine. We don't know that's going to be the case. And then the Ravens had a revolving door at center for the entire season uh, in, in 2020, and they don't really know what that, you know, three in the middle is necessarily going to look like. You make the free agent acquisition of, of Ken Zeitler. Like you've done some things there, but all of that stuff could be addressed too. The Ravens could go tackle. They could also go, go to a guy that's a little more versatile in the in the middle of the offensive line, uh, one of those spots too. And when you're playing this style, and we've talked about setting up for Lamar Jackson, catering it all to Lamar Jackson, that doesn't just mean wide receiver. Your offensive line has to be tremendous. And Marshall Yonda, is a, I still think, is a guy, and you can't replace him. But you got to try to get to about 85% of that. They have not done that yet. So that is another thing that they have to think about going into the draft. The Orlando Brown replacement could just be a plug-and-play right tackle. But the entire offensive line has to continue to be manufactured here as they go into June, July, August. So I, I, I think we're in better shape than, I, than we might be painting a picture of here. I think at least at left guard, I think Bozeman, it's his job. He's won it. He's earned it. Um, and you said Zietler there at right guard. I think it's a little more set than we might be making it out to be. But they do have some work to do. They got some things to figure out. Even if they bring Villanueva in after May 3rd, um, they have to do something for the long term because that's, you know, that's a plug-and-play one-year, two-year maybe situation. You're bringing in some versatility for that guy to perhaps stand in um, at Rodney Stanley's spot. But, yeah, it, it would be it would be shocking for them to not pick a right tackle with one of these first two picks. And if not that those, um, I mean, they don't have a pick in the second, but you know, that kind of puts, you know, handcuffs them a little bit in terms of what their options are. So, you know, I, I, I go back and forth about how much pressure there is for them to really capitalize with a first round pick for the right tackle position. Um, because I don't think they like to put themselves in those positions where they feel pressured that helps them to move back, get picks and like kind of give themselves more options or more darts to throw at the board, so to say. So, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see, but um, yeah, right tackle is kind of the focus in my head. And I think they're, they're good at drafting interior linemen in the middle rounds. And I think they have a lot of confidence in that. So um, that might mean that that's where they target in the third round. So they've got two picks there. Hey, you you kind of just just took my question. I'll kind of just rephrase it. Uh, and this this goes for anyone, everyone. Um, Saturday night draft is all wrapped up. I will be shocked if the Ravens don't or they didn't do blank. And I, again, that's kind of a roundtable for all you guys. Good question. So there, Thanks, Taylor. Uh, I can almost tell you that there are just boxes that are checked on every single Ravens draft. They will be taking a wide receiver. Obviously they will be taking an inter interior lineman, uh, a tackle. They'll probably be taking a running back to be honest. it would probably be in the fifth or sixth round or so. Um, they don't have a seventh round pick. Um, and they for sure will be taking uh, a defensive tackle or edge type. Probably D tackle, like a nose tackle type. That's just one of those things that the organization does every single year. 
So, so what do we have to weed out from, from what you just broke From down? all the positions I just named. <laughs> yeah, right? I was about to say, so the Ravens are taking a player at every position in the draft. <laughs> I didn't name I didn't name tight end. I didn't name any defensive backs. I didn't name any middle linebackers. You know, there's a lot out there. They do like taking defensive backs in they, the later rounds, though. They mm-hmm. like firing shots at defensive backs because you need you, you can never have too many let's, backs in the NFL. I don't know if you guys have heard. Let's not count out undrafted free agent season here. On, on, yes. Yeah, that's it's a big thing that Eric DeCosta does. That's where he gets his punter that he trades for fifth rounder. I was gonna yeah. say he they they always bring in the kicker to put some uh, pressure <laughs> on Tucker, and and there's always some some article about that. I, I would be shocked now to kind of stew on this for a minute. I would be shocked if they don't. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I'd be stunned if they don't bring in more corner depth. You know, that's that's. Even even though it is, you could argue their deepest. At least this time last year, we were all thinking that's the deepest at the position, right? At this point last year, Earl Thomas was on the roster, and now I know he's a, you know he's a free safety, but he did a little bit of everything. Um, you know, there's I should say their secondary was was the deepest part of their team. You could argue this time last year. So I think you have to continue to build on that. But one quick thing before um, before we jump. Is it too is now the right time to put Tristan Colon Castillo on sleeper watch to be September 2021 opening day center starter? I it could be anyone's job. I mean, it's it's hard yeah, to pull anybody yeah. out. If if they walk away from this draft without picking somebody who's a primary center, he he may be the front runner. There's been talk, of course, about Bozeman sliding inside the center, but um, he's he's in the mix. You can't count him out. Right? Are they going to go to Bozeman and and keep him away from guard duties? That's that's the question. Because Banks, I've seen the same, seen heard the same thing you're talking about. Um, but anyway, small little nuance. Sure. I, I, my my answer to the to RDT to your original question, I, I will be pretty stunned if they don't take an edge rusher with either one of the first round picks with their, any of their top four picks. So mm-hmm. either the two thirds or the two firsts and whether the first turns into a, like, you know, early second or a yep. middle, mid second, that's just, there's just too much need there that there's not a lot of plug and play options out there in free agency. Like you see with maybe right tackle or wide receiver, you know, obviously already signing Sammy Watkins kind of in that, range or you know they have the young wide receivers they've taken the last two drafts with Hollywood and, and Duvernay and Prochel these guys and they're going to take ones in the middle rounds but you've got to get I mean that one of the biggest issues by the end of last year was just the inability for Yannick Ngakwe my guy to get any type of pressure they need somebody you know and Matt Judon sort of in a similar fashion but you make a move for a guy like Yannick Ngakwe and he does nothing for you they need somebody on the outside, you know, with some dynamite pass rushing ability to replace the two guys they meant to do that job. I, I, it just would shock me if that was not one of the things they did. I think that's off the – the funny part is I think that's off the radar for a lot of the fan base. People are so focused on wide receiver. I, it's just – I cannot wait for the Ravens to not take a wide receiver till the fourth round. It is going to be the, the most fun part of the draft. People <laughs> freaking out about the Ravens not taking a wide receiver. Um and I think edge, I think edge rusher is more of a need at this point. I really do. And the Ravens have spent a lot of picks, 
You know, they spent a first-round pick two years ago on a wide receiver. Eventually, you've got to get back to your principles of being able to get, get to the quarterback. The Ravens just couldn't do that in a really effective way consistently at the end of the year. So that would be my thing. I'll go away from offensive line, which I think will get addressed as well, and wide receiver. I think edge is the one that's just slightly off the radar that people aren't thinking about that. And even though they're mocked with a million, you know, Jason, and you can help me here, away, away, away. Yeah, he is. He has been mocked to them in a thousand places, but everyone is just very focused on Terrence Marshall and very focused on Rashad Bateman, and then very focused on the seven offensive tackles that are involved here. So that hey, would be my thought. I'm with you, Taylor. One A, one B, whatever order you want. White, one A, edge rusher, one B, right tackle. I mean, that, that seems like it's relatively reasonable, but EA, now that I'm thinking about it, I'll be shocked if there isn't fireworks throughout the three days. Some kind of fireworks, whether it's opening night, whether it's round two, whatever it might be, there's going to be some kind of fireworks. And if there's not, I'll be stunned. Are so, you saying from the Ravens or just in general? Are you saying Ravens. another team from the Ravens? from the Ravens? I think they got some fireworks. I think that uh, July 4th is going to come early. Uh, again, I'd be surprised if there's not. And who knows? We, we could talk about. Are you manifesting Andrews. Julio Jones to Baltimore? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, I was pinning that to specifically draft related. But sure. Heck, maybe he could be involved somehow. Who knows? I mean, yeah, it, it, that's that's another one that you keep hearing. Is he going to be? Did I read that cap space right now is just over 15 mil, and he would cost what? Just I think right at 15. Yeah, yeah, it's like right at 15. I think. Yeah, so that, that would be a lot of sizzle. I don't know how much steak would be. Yeah, right. It just doesn't seem that feasible. But another sexy headline, that's for sure. And it'll get yep. clicks. That's right. The other thing, and the Ravens do not do this a lot in terms of, you know, hopping, you know, high up there. You have two first round picks that you could you can package to jump very high. If you if you really like somebody, yeah. that's something the Ravens could do. There are teams at the bottom of the top ten and in the teens that have talked about trading back. I that would be that would that kind of fireworks would stun me. But when you have two first round picks to play with, it's in play. Yeah, Jalen Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle, and <laughs> I talk about manifesting. Phone. I don't know. I don't know, but because and that and watch, that's some, and that's something where can the Ravens can the Ravens you know play off a lot of quarterback teams scrambling to get these top six quarterbacks in the top ten and just going up and getting them and and you know you have guys that fall farther than they should you know like you know like a Rashawn Slater or somebody like that because people are just going up and getting quarterbacks which is not out of the question in this draft this this could end up just being a people battle to go get quarterbacks which i think is very fun i i love when teams just sell out to go get quarterbacks with the fifth best quarterback in the draft like nine it would be tremendous and i think and i hope that happens we were talking about it on um part of my take and it happened i mean it happens in every fantasy draft like when you see the run on quarterbacks happen and you see people panic to move up and that's when they overpay and that's when everyone kind of freaks out. And then I think, like Big Cat or someone said, that's why you end up with Carson Palmer in like the second round of your fantasy draft. And you're like, oh, shit. when you when you guys think to. of who who's the biggest like sellout team, like who just is that's their brand. They just sell out and they just try to move and make something happen. Like who do you think of first? What team? I want to say Atlanta for some. Atlanta reason. has why. done that. Atlanta. It's definitely and they're ironically they're in a position where. It, 
I think they'd be smart to get their next quarterback. Right. And they're, everyone's talking about them doing everything but that. Like, they're in position to get if, a guy if they without take, moving. So I was going to say, if they take – so whoever goes at three, I don't know. Mac Joe, It's apparently not going to be Justin Fields. Trey Lance is the project guy. If, Atlanta, like if Atlanta then takes – if Trey Lance gets there and they take him, if you're Cincinnati at five, you're thinking – I mean, you're going to get calls because every team is going to freak out because at that point there's going to be two left. There's going to be probably Mac. It'll probably be, you know, Mac Jones and no, there's going to be one left essentially. So yeah, the Vegas odds have Mac Jones at three, like pretty high. Yeah. Like so, then it's a Justin Fields. It's who wants to come up and get Justin Fields because he um, seems to be yeah. the odd man out. He would be the odd man out in that scenario because if you're Atlanta, you would take you would think you would take Trey Lance. You can sit him behind Matt Ryan. I love the draft. I absolutely love Pitts. the draft. Atlanta's going to take Pitts, and their entire fan base is saying, wait, are we re-signing Matt Ryan again after this current deal? <laughs> yeah. And Pitts, the, the best part about this, all the talk is about the quarterbacks. There are some awesome guys at the top of this draft. Pitts is incredible. Like, he oh, is yeah. awesome and is a new age. Like, he, he is incredible at Florida. I mean, he's going to make he got he's going to get Kyle Trask in the third round. I mean, he, he was just awesome. And Penny Sewell is – there's some – probably some drafts where there's not quarterbacks like this where he's the first overall pick as an offensive tackle. Who was the last tight end taken, like, as high as Pitts? Was it Winslow? Or has there been someone since then? High as Pitts. Like, like because, like, if Pitts goes four, Winslow was, what, six? Has yeah, there Vernon, been I think Vernon that, Davis went eight. Vernon Davis, yes. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to, like, think of the tight ends in the in the – the, the last couple of years, but cause uh, yeah, like you're saying, I mean, Pitts is a monster. Like he, I mean, he would kind of make sense down there in Atlanta. Again, I don't think Julio is washed up at all. You could run it back. I mean, Hawkinson, probably, went, Hawkinson went eight in 2019. Yeah. Hmm. You're probably playing for a wild card in that division with the bots, but Hawkinson went eight. That's just unbelievable. That's a, that's a typical like, Lions it, pick too. When are the Falcons going to learn their lesson about drafting Skill positions. Eric this is turning into a bash the Falcons podcast right now, which you know I don't you know whatever it is what it is. But man, like they, they, got they have Hayden Hurst and they have some other guys. Like they have receivers. Like I don't like Pitts doesn't seem like a fit for them to me. Like people are making it out to be. But here's here's the he's thing, an unbelievable like, player. But they they with Arthur Smith, who obviously I'm familiar with, being when he was in Tennessee, he loves using. I mean we saw Johnny Smith take handoffs in the backfield. He was taking jet sweeps like Pitts is, I mean, he's big and athletic and strong and fast. So he can do all that. So, I mean, that just gives Arthur Smith a hard on and he can just add a guy like that to the, you know, the, what's going to be awesome is it's well, going to Vernon Davis. Well. Six. He would be the, if he goes four, would be the highest since Vernon Davis at six go Terps. Okay. But <laughs> it's going to be great is when Pitts goes four and then the Ravens trade a fifth round pick for Hayden Hurst and just bring him back. It's going to be great. Yeah. Aiden's <laughs> showing out in Atlanta too. I hope he, I know he's a friend of a uh, friend of the podcast, right? He, that, that's a good guy, right? There. I haven't made a connection with him yet, but I was just kind of making that up, hoping that it was. <laughs> no, we had traded him before we started this podcast, I think. So unfortunately, but um, yeah, I uh, just like kind of racking my brain for some things more on the radar, just in general in the first round here. One of my favorite moments that will probably happen on Thursday night is whenever the Steelers draft a running back. Najee, baby. Everyone wants <laughs> I can't Ajay wait there. for that one. That, that's going to be like a play the hits moment for me. Like, and they're, but, and they're like, 
we got to fish the rushing attack. We got to fish the rushing attack. Nobody should be focusing on their rushing attack in this league, but us. And maybe the 49ers, they just, the personnel, the way football is moving, it's just not, should not be a primary focus for any teams. And Tomlin and the Steelers are just lost in the sauce about it. And I love every (laughs) second of it. Haven't they also lost three offensive linemen just this off season? Pouncey retired, uh, Marcus Gilbert retired, and then Villanueva. Like they're they're definitely a spot. They're a spot for a tackle. I mean, they're they're very much a spot for a tackle. It's gonna be so. They're also a team that fans are gonna freak freak out and trade up for a quarterback. I, I I need somebody random to trade up and get a quarterback that people are not expecting. Washington, like, do they revert <laughs> back to just full Dan Snyder? And Dan Snyder walks in the room and says, "Ron, I don't really care. You are getting me Justin Fields. You are figuring <laughs> out how to get me Justin Fields. That would be awesome. I love. Can you imagine? Just, I love when they do stupid stuff. That's one of the b- best parts of the draft. I mean, the page. Everyone talks about the Patriots. I don't think the Patriots will take a quarterback. I I, I just don't think like, they're just going to run it back with. With, you know, whoever. I think they should, though. I yeah, because that's the you. thing. After, should, what do they do? I don't think they're taking one. I just don't think that they'll do it. Talk about I think free they, agency. They'll take the Kellen. went off in free team. agency, man. That was something. I didn't realize they spent the most money that's ever been spent in free agency. Yeah. Oh. That's like. You must have been under a rock those first two, three days. No, but it's like <laughs> I just didn't realize. I mean, I also don't <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, the, the scope of it second was. was. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that, that first couple hours where they signed Janu and they signed – um. Um, whoever else they saw, you know, a couple other players, but eh, that's not like them at all. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many, so many intriguing names there. Like, like Taylor just mentioned who could be that team that you wouldn't expect to take a quarterback. Like you can make a case for everybody in the top 15 pretty much like could take a quarterback. Like it's not out of the question. Cincinnati's not taking a quarterback. Cincinnati is not. And Dallas is, Probably not. Dallas is ten, Every, right? Where's since everybody else? You could kind Five. of like Five. Denver definitely could, and there's mock drafts that have them. Um, the Lions probably are not after making that trade, but they could. Um, Carolina also just traded draft capital for a quarterback. They're more liable to trade a quarterback. They, tra- Teddy Bridgewater is more liable to get traded. Think- I've heard a couple people suggest that they may just flip uh, Darnold. That would be awesome. Just it would be just it would be very awesome. Tossed like, around like Piazza with the with the Marlins. The Dolphins would have to make the full um, Josh Rosen Kyler Murray situation where they've seen enough of Tua and they're like this guy stinks. I mean they <laughs> they would have to think he's yeah. so bad for them to take a quarterback. Um, da- I mean Dallas. I don't think so. And the poor Bears all the way back at 20. They're just – they can't do the anything gi- back there. The Giants definitely could because they could look at Danny Dimes and say – "Yeah, You're mm, on a clock. Mm, yeah. And just say he's – they could just say to themselves he's bad and just do the Josh Rose and Kyler Murray thing. Problem is when you're at 10, that's harder to do than when you're at 1, obviously. So, um, yeah, Philly could. Char- Chargers are not. Chargers are not taking a quarter. No, they're that's not. one of the top no, 15. No, 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 not. Um, yeah. Yeah pretty interesting it's pretty interesting and that just will to bring a full circle any of that crazy movement just affects the ravens in terms of who drops back down yeah Um, so i guess the lesson all over the place too mac jones is mocked at three in places and he's mocked at 15 in places i mean that's such a giant that is such a giant discrepancy he's the Um, award winner for who got better without playing like yeah justin fields is the award winner for who got worse up the draft boards and like I think I don't think he stinks, but I don't think he's anything special. Like 
I, he he does not move the needle. People, for me. There were a lot of people that didn't even think he was going to start for Alabama this year. Mm-hmm. It's and like I think it's just the Alabama lore. You know, it's it's. I don't know. It, it, I don't I don't see it with the crimson sunglasses. It's not exactly a quarterback factory though. No, I mean not Brody modern Coyle day. is damn. Look good. at Ohio State. I mean, they're not putting anybody in the league either. That's really producing anything. Joe no. Joe Burrow. No, D- that doesn't count. Doesn't so. count. Doesn't count. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins. It's actually stinks. crazy when you slow Gate. down and think about where the quarterbacks that Cardell Jones stinks. are factors in the league, like where they derive from. And it's like, well, shit, other than Brady, like I'm, I'm off the top of my head, like not many Big Ten quarterbacks. EA, not oh. to interrupt this, but are you – was Frazier about to punch the – ball boy at Camden Yards? I don't know. I was just kind of trying to watch that. I, I'm, and I'm looking at the TV in my other room. I, I'm, I may have to run that back, but <laughs> I don't think he was happy. <laughs> I would love to be watching the Orioles up in my room where I don't oh boy, have here table, we go. but unfortunately here we go. Yeah. Get ready for this, Bobby. Get ready for this. has an inability to uh, put wait, their – Wait, wait, wait. Ask, literally anything besides cable TV. So. Ask Bobby what his cable provider is. Maybe Bobby, he what's your Bay, cable provider? Bay Community uh, – you have like Bay Country Communications or something. I'm, I'm Xfinity. Xfinity. Yeah, you, you yeah, and I like think everybody else in the city of people in the city. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, a hundred percent, and none of us can watch Masson online. But Taylor, I I'll, I'm gonna piggyback with you right now and take it a, ne- a next step. And I'm gonna bring it to the freaking league offices in Secaucus, New Jersey. <laughs> they call themselves the Big Four, Major League Baseball. You guys are not allowing your product to be seen by millennials. The world is changing. The digital world is shifting. And if you don't adapt soon, you're going to be left behind because UFC pay-per-views and NBA being a global sport and the NFL obviously ruling all, they can do whatever the heck they want based on the deals that they inked within the last month or so. It's a total joke. I love the national pastime. Baltimore is not Baltimore without Oriole Park, without Utah Street, without the warehouse, without number eight, all of that. And the fact that it's so difficult, whether it's regionally, nationally, or anywhere in between, is pathetic. It drives me nuts. So I'm with you. Thank you. It's easier for me to watch the CONCACAF Champions League than watch <laughs> Orioles baseball on my Fubo TV. We're watching the zone, we're watching darts every day. Yeah it's, yeah, it's easier, yeah, it's easier for me to watch darts, the World Darts Championships on the zone. Then watch, then watch. I can watch, you know, I can watch Jake. The Orioles game a mile away from Watch the Orioles that I I could throw a football at the stadium. You want me to read the cable providers that be a really good throw, but (laughs) yeah, read them. Yeah, just annoy me some more. Armstrong, Atlantic Broadband, Bay Country Communications, DirecTV, Lumos Networks, MediaCom, and recently added as of this morning, Verizon FiOS. But apparently, you have to sign up and pay for something else if you already have Verizon. And you're trying to log into that. That's what someone was tweeting this morning. Right, like they, yeah, they sure. tried to log in and it was like, oh, thanks for signing up. Uh, do you approve of these charges, like new charges? And the guy was like, I'm done. Like, <laughs> I am done with this. Didn't, so. Weren't they patting themselves on the back? No, actually, too? I don't know. I got it here. Look at that. Wow. Daddy's streaming. Oh. Don't cry um, on Taylor. That's horrible. Yeah, sorry, Taylor. What, what, what are you streaming on? Did you have to click through like 16 16- – you know, you know, malware ads to get to no, that one or just massing. It was just the, the so hey, um, I'm changing my tune. This is great. This is awesome. I, I love that I'm sitting on my couch. <laughs> you stink, Eric. And I am four pitches behind, which I'm okay <laughs> with that. You know. Welcome to the life, my man. Yeah. Bobby, nice. what are you this couch game is probably over that I'm watching right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
we go. Bob, what, what, what do you feel like is like the pulse right now, just in general, when you're on the radio from callers and, and, and what you're hearing from fans, whether that's Ravens, Orioles, because we don't get that. In, in, we get a little bit of it on Twitter. But when you, what are people trying to talk about right now? Besides the draft, I guess, because we just did forty minutes on that. Hmm. Uh, I, I think people are just so thrilled to have some semblance of of normalcy back at the park. You know, I went. Has anybody? I know Eric's been to a game. Taylor, I've not. Oh, you have not. No. What happened? I thought you. I thought I saw you went. Banks and I were supposed to go. What two weeks ago? But yeah, they got rained out. Wednesday game that got rained out. Oh, okay. Okay. Taylor, what about you? I have not been. Gotcha. I went I went Friday night. I'm I'm protesting until Mass and yeah. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I went on Sunday like I said earlier in, in the podcast and it just seemed as if there was a very overwhelming sense of um relief, you know. So yeah, what I'm seeing in comment sections, what I'm what I'm seeing in, in DMs and calls and stuff like that is just hey, I mean this team has pride. You know, they're what they're 10 and 12 right now before tonight. It looks like tonight, barring a, a late comeback here, they'll be, they'll be 10 and 13. EA has got a better pulse on the team than I do, but I, I just, I first fell in love with Baltimore as a junior or senior in high school coming down to visit Loyola. And we timed it being that we're from up, upstate New York. We timed it when this game was happening. You know, we timed it when the Yankees were in town and we all know that, 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 Oriole Park has, has done really well over the years from all the traveling Bombers fans, you know, but um, it, it's just nice to see some, some, some liveliness down there. And, and we all got to meet at Pickles eventually too. We got to get out in fells like, like Eric was texting the other day. Where, where are you Taylor? You said you're in fed. You don't have to, don't, don't yeah. get too specific. Fed. Yeah. I, well, I've given my address out on this podcast before. Oh, good. But yes, <laughs> That's a way to test. Listen, we've talked to that. We've yeah. mentioned the street at least once. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. But, um, but yeah, it's just, it's not, my hope is that, and it's funny that I'm saying this because I work for the flagship station of, the, of the, the football team in town, but my hope is that we're, we're competing with the O's, meaning like, you know, come August when training camp's starting to get going and everybody for years now, it feels like, or at least since I guess 2014, you know, the O's have been an afterthought. I actually, I actually hope that that's the opposite. You know, I want this town as a two-sport town to have both competing and, and, and making things interesting and entertaining, and, and I mean that genuinely. <laughs> yeah, it would be it would be nice to see. It would be nice to see. And it, I think the buzz of both teams is much more fun than just one of them dominating the airwaves. It gives more people – it gives all of us more to talk about. And I think that, you know, when you have a playoff baseball team while the NFL is going on, that is just – that just sort of elevates the entire conversation of what's happening. Unless there's supposed to be a game on like an opening night or something like yeah, that. I mean, that's the worst part. I mean, then you can't have Kenny Chesney downtown or whatever the concert <laughs> was going to be. And were you here I for think that? It was, I think it was Keith I, Urban. I yeah, it, it, I what knew it was the country was guy, but which you know. is a hard pass for me personally. But do you remember what year that was? Four. 2013. 20, it was yeah, 2013. 20, yeah. Okay. My freshman year at Loyola, not to date myself. <laughs> I mean that that, that was, was a scene that was here. That I was. saw there was a tweet like two weeks ago. 
I forget what it was, but it was like referencing that. And I was like, we're still doing this. Like, this is what we're harping on again. The Orioles not moving their game that was scheduled for like two years. Like, oh, I didn't know that that's what we were doing. I don't think we're anyone's letting that one go until the Angelos sell. So, no, I think that, yeah, that one is very much in people's crawl still. There's no doubt about <laughs> it. Which is so ridiculous. There's no doubt about it. Sorry, that. you didn't see Keith Urban. Well, they no one gives a shit about Keith Urban. They care they, about the home game they, yeah, and not they, getting their. Their dicks kicked in by Peyton Manning that night. The worst part about the for the Angelos is that I would have had a better chance to see Keith Urban than any of their Orioles games on you know something <laughs> that's not a television. So that's that's really that's really we have to think about. I could have walked out and watched Keith Urban on the Inner Harbor, sing whatever. One final dig, I love it. Yeah, so couple days go by. I have to get it back in there. Uh, Bobby, plug uh, what you, you have the board, and there's a reason you have that board. You're doing draft coverage. What's the situation for you guys on draft night? Yeah, appreciate it. So Thursday night from 7 p.m. to midnight, we're going to be going balls to the wall, you know, as, as, as much possible coverage as we can uh, put forth. Millsy will, of course, be, be joining me as my trusty sidekick host. We'll have uh, Dennis Pitta. We'll have Femi Ian Badejo. We'll have um, – I'm working on a few others. We'll have, the, of course, the sound from uh, the Ravens director of of player personnel, Joe Hortiz that I, that I did today. He essentially, I put together on, on the board on, that I've referenced uh, a nauseating amount of times, it, 25, 30 prospects. And he, he and I went through and went quick hits on them, just his analysis, his breakdown. So basically whether it's Ravens related or not on Thursday, you can come to WBAL radio, whether it's the digital app or um, you know, FM 101.5 or uh, AM 1090. Uh, and, and as the picks come in live, we'll have analysis from Hortiz. And if it's not Hortiz, it's his Southeast area scout down, down in uh, Florida by the name of Andrew Raphael. Um, and if it's not Andrew, then it's David Blackburn, who's the team's national scout. So essentially, you know, you can come hang and you don't necessarily need to be in, in it for, um, you know, trying to get all the Ravens content you can. So Anyway, it's going to be 15 hours between Thursday, mm. yeah, wow. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We're going seven to midnight Thursday and Friday night, and I think it's 11 to four on Saturday. So it's going to be pretty, pretty demanding. But yeah, this is the best, easily the best weekend of the off season. So for um, sure. And we, hey, we'd love to open invite too. Come, come Saturday probably. The programming sort of loosens a little bit, and we'd love to have you guys buzz in. For sure, and wouldn't uh, mind to do that. Hopefully, um, you Comcast Xfinity subscribers can connect to that WBL digital app and listen to uh, listen to all the draft content. Boy, I Sorry. hope you can just pull that thing up. If yeah. that's not the case, well, I, yeah, I'm not gonna air my thoughts on that. I think I think we definitely can and definitely will. Bobby, thanks so much for joining us. Make sure everyone tunes into the WBL draft coverage. I love that you guys have those quick hitters from because you know you hear from the the national guys for weeks and weeks and weeks to have a, a team personnel uh, people kind of giving the descriptions of how they've scouted those guys is very interesting. Uh, we'll be excited to listen to that, and thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Always appreciate coming on the fastest-growing pod in the city. Thanks, guys. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. All right, boys. Back to you in the studio. Back on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood. Thanks to WBL's Bobby Trostin for jumping on the podcast. As we touched on right there at the end of the interview, make sure to listen uh, to WBL's draft coverage. They're going wall-to-wall over the next 
three days, the flagship station of the Baltimore Ravens, and it sounds like they're going to have a lot of good insight for some of those first-round picks, Ravens or no Ravens, um, which should be very, very cool. Um, and, and, yes, I will just continue to work my hate of the Masson um, streaming situation probably into every single thing we talk about um, in this podcast until it has changed. So I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm just not. I'm just saying that. I'm just putting that on the record. Uh, but thanks for Bobby for, for jumping on with us. Um, that was really, really fun. Uh, I'll throw this out to you guys before we get into our starting five, which is all-time NFL draft busts. Do you guys have an all-time favorite draft moment from your time watching the NFL draft? Obviously, for me and Banks, it's probably going to be somewhat Ravens-related. RDT, you bring a little bit of a different spin as a Titans guy, but it doesn't even have to be your have to be your team. Um, I I, I remember. Moment. I remember when Vernon Davis got drafted and I was a huge, I mean, like those Maryland teams, I think we've talked about off air were so much fun to root for. Um, and Vernon and at, in college park was just a monster. I mean, there's that one clip of him versus Florida state where I think he throws like two or three guys off him on the, on the, the right sideline. I was a huge Vernon Davis guy. I've got the, uh, the blackout black Maryland Jersey, 18 upstairs. Um, and I, I mean, and then he blew away the combine and he was the, he was the story of the, the combine, just his numbers and all that. So when he got drafted, I was, I was ecstatic. I was so happy for him. Um, and I, I mean, that's when I used to tape all the drafts and would just like rewatch them like later that night, like uh, pop the VCR, pop the, uh, you know, the VHS and the VCR hit, hit record. And, and we'd go from there. So them drafting him or the, the Niners drafting him, j- just him getting drafted in general. I also remember when the Titans drafted Chris Johnson and I told my buddy, my buddy was like, oh, this guy's a bum. Um, he, you know, he didn't play. His best game was against uh, Virginia Tech. He didn't play against anyone, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I, th- I think he's pretty good. You know, I, I think he's going to be – I think he's going to be a hell of a player. And then, obviously, the, the career and the season that he went on to have. Um, that, so, the, those two kind of stick out. Um, you know, I mean, I just – I love the whole thing. I love just sitting down and – and just just the stories, and I I just pray to God we don't get the uh, and I know we're gonna get it. The I mean, last year every player and here's their most traumatic, you know, 24 hours, 48 hours, and here's what happened to them, and here's why their grandma and their dog both got hit by a car in the same day or shit like that. I don't need those stories anymore. I think we're done with those. <laughs> but I'm sure we're gonna get them. With, with we're gonna some, get them. Yeah, it's gonna be bad. Yeah. Uh, favorite draft moments. See, it's always interesting because you always have moments you have memories of, and then you're not really sure. They're kind of changed by by how it pans out to some degree. Um, but the, probably the most memorable one is trading back in for Lamar Jackson. It has to be, um, at least in my lifetime. I mean, I wasn't, you know, really. I mean, I was five years old in 1996 when we made the two best draft picks that any team has probably ever made in the same round. Um, but the draft even on TV back then, or were we finding out? Oh like, yeah, oh, oh yeah. The draft, been a, the draft has been a TV property. We're talking for about like way but longer. I'm thinking. I mean, did you watch the 30 for 30 on what was it? The 83. Yeah, it's been. Draft. I don't think I've seen that it's, one. ESPN jumped on that very quickly. One you know of the what? hardest things they've ever done. I do remember it now that because I just remember that I could have just said the Jets compilation video being that is the best part because now it's just. With that the 15th is- pick, the Jets select, and all here is Warren Sapp, and it's like pullback, <laughs> and the guy goes, no! <laughs> That is 
one of the and they will show it. I mean, and the best part is they're going to show it right early. Now. They're going to show it early on um, Thursday because the Jets pick number two. That is one of the best parts <laughs> of the draft every year, and it is not close. That video <laughs> is so 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 good. All of the compilations, the Kuiper compilation video with the with the Colts GM. Um, and him saying, you know, if they made moves like this, they wouldn't be picking in the top five of the draft every year. <laughs> Kuiper just defiantly yelling um, <laughs> is just – there's just so much – there's so many good things that the draft delivers every year. <laughs> that Jets video is so good. So good. We yeah. want Sap. We want yeah, Sap. And then it cuts to them drafting the fullback. It's just incredible. <laughs> um, sorry, to, sorry to cut you off. Go for 20, it. You're good, you're good. 2018 was just like – I remember being at one of the bars here in the neighborhood, um, blogging the Hayden Hurst pick, taking my laptop and going closer to home and going to Das Beer House. Thinking, I think I, I published that Hayden Hurst blog there and was literally had my hand on the laptop to close the lid on it when the the trade came through. Like, oh, the Ravens are trading back into the first round. What's going on here? And I just, I think I have a video. Maybe I'll post it tomorrow of like somebody was take uh, my buddy was just like taking video as because they they announced the trade the ravens were trading and then they had, you know a minute or two later they announced the pick of lamar jackson and i'm just like oh my god like we're going for it like this is i and, and, and i'll be completely transparent like i was not fully on board i wasn't like strongly against it by any means but i thought that we are moving too early on moving on from Joe Flacco and I was wrong. You know, that was the right, right play. But um, I was excited as hell because Lamar Jackson is literally the most exciting and electric player we have ever had here in Baltimore. And it's not even close. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that's that moment sticks out. And then I think last year's draft was just an awesome draft because we were just so thirsty and hungry for anything sports content wise. We had mm. nothing at all. And it was, I think did they do it at the same time, late April? Did they still keep the same date? Uh, I think so. It might have been a tick later, but yes. Yeah. So, like, I think. Oh no! It was April twenty fifth. April twenty fifth was the last because I had that on my anniversary sheet for Maryland, McFarland and Brooks. That was the third day of the draft. So April twenty third was the first day. Yeah. So last year, like, literally everybody was just at home and bunkered into their houses, but all watching the same thing. And I thought, I thought that that was just like a cool sports thing that this was like our really our first sports content that was new and fresh that you watch. I think I watched every pick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I legitimately think I watched every pick of the draft. I think everybody did. Yeah. Um, It was awesome. Those are very good. I I watched Lamar get picked in East uh, Lansing, Michigan (laughs) um, with my pal and uh, Baltimore uh, Twitter presence, Connor Newcomb as we were at a Maryland baseball trip and we were freaking out in the hotel room, freaking out in the hotel room. About the, I just uh, remember I had already turned it off by that time. Oh, come on. Well, because it was like, again, it's like 1230, <laughs> it's so 1245. Yeah, and I was like, I don't care who, like, cause who they traded with the Eagles. Was it? Yeah. Eagles. Yeah. And I was like, I don't care who, who the Eagles are going to pick whatever. And then like, by the time I closed my laptop and like closed down the TV and got upstairs, took the dog out and all that, I get on Twitter and I was like, what the hell did I miss? Holy shit. Because it was like it was probably like 10 minutes and the, everything had just exploded. Uh, my favorite that is definitely one of my favorite memories of the draft. The um the um 
the situation with Lamar. Honestly, and this is not a specific thing, when I was in you know elementary school, middle school, when the draft used to start on Saturday at like 11 a.m. or, mm-hmm. or 12, I used to play lacrosse in the morning, play like a 9.30 lacrosse game, go to 7-Eleven right by my house, get a giant bottle of Pepsi and a big bag of Doritos, and I would just sit and watch the entirety of the – I guess it was one through four on day one then, and it was just a marathon of a day. Like it just went all – it was so fun. That, you know – that that is like that is what I think about. That brought me my love for the draft. Like I actually like this. I do like this new format. I love the primetime day one. You know, rounds two and three feel huge because they're in their own day, and then they kind of cycle through four through seven. But there was something special to me about the just you know fifteen hours or whatever, twelve hours of of draft content on one day, um, cycling through to uh to then sunday and i would just sit there and watch sunday and they'd go through the picks mm-hmm. like uh, like two minutes in between picks or whatever i it was think just my like, earliest <laughs> yeah my earliest memory was the the entire thing with with Suggs and the vikings going too late and all that stuff that was an electric like that that the draft there's no reason the draft should be as electric as it is and there are times where it is absolutely electric like Aaron Rodgers just falling mm-hmm. through the draft was incredible. You know, Manziel and the Cowboys. Yes, the Manziel and the Cowboys was an absolute pop-off situation. Draft's great. I love the draft. I love the draft. They, they know what they're doing. They make they make it. It's literally picking teams, which is so boring, and they make it like we like we've said electric, absolute must-watch TV. Yeah, yeah, they really really have. So that brings us to our starting five. NFL, excuse me, NFL draft busts. Thank God. Thank God that we clarified. So (laughs) to give some background here, we, you know, normally a lot of times we pick these starting fives right before we record. We did a nice job earlier in the day and we were texting about what we were doing. And I believe Banks said, let's do NFL draft busts. NFL draft, great idea. I was on board. RDT goes, I don't know, like that's going to take some research. And I'm thinking... (laughs) Eh, a little really, bit. A little yeah. bit, but there's also 40,000 lists. So you can really just, like, grab some lists, kind of do it on the fly if you don't have enough time during the day. And RDT then says, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll go look through the pictures of the bus in the NFL Hall of Fame. And I'm thinking, I'm at work, and I'm thinking. Like, oh, this guy's got a yeah, kid. that's funny. Like, I was that, literally uh, at the park chasing yeah. her around at the playground, and I'm like, I gotta sit down and look at fucking draft bus. So I'm thinking that's that's a bad joke. What's the word like, right. draft even come into play? Like, how does? Fair enough. No clue. And RDT did think that we were gonna pick our favorite busts in Canada, so the, the NFL. Canton. In the, NFL <laughs> the only one I could think of, so. I was like, all I all I remember is is Deion Sanders putting the bandana on his. That was pretty cool. Like, I don't Ed, know. Ed like, Reed's was kind of sweet. Yeah, Ed Reed's had the like afro, right? I was like, I, and, I don't know. Maybe and I probably think of Cristiano Ronaldo after that. Yeah, yeah Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. <laughs> but I was uh, like, man, this is going to be okay. Whatever. We'll, we'll wing it. So that couldn't be less of what we're doing. <laughs> uh, we are going to do, obviously, an NFL draft bust. Somebody that was a bust in the NFL. Don't really have to define that too hard. Uh, Banks, you have the number one pick. RET has the second pick. Although you honestly, we honestly could have docked you and put you at third after that. That debacle of an explanation. But uh, again, I was chasing my child around the playground. Mm, I think yeah. maybe oh, I just. I'm a parent. I'm a parent. I'm a parent. Focus in on the draft. 
focus in on the draft. Uh, fair enough. Stones and you, have, <laughs> you have two. I have three. So uh, start us off, Banks. Uh, number one overall, and I think that this is, it really are two options here. Um, in my eyes, uh, I'll let the other one kind of come to fruition, but I'm going to have to go with Jamarcus Russell mm-hmm. as the number one bust. Um, he, he's a little more recent than the other one I have in mind. Um, so it kind of, I can feel how much of a bust that was. I, I grew up a Notre Dame fan. I remember him just absolutely blowing the doors off of Notre Dame at the sugar bowl. Uh, I want to say Brady Quinn was on the other side of that game. Um, and then him throwing the football 80 yards from his knees or whatever that was in the combine is just like one of those all time. Like when you think about players doing things during the draft process, the combine process, whatever, that just like elevates their, their draft stock. And it's just poppycock. It's just nonsense. I think of Jamarcus Russell throwing the football from his knees. Like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, this guy's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So and he, as you said, he was incredibly impressive at LSU. I mean, he was just an app. He, he was impressive and he was good for sure, but he, he is the epitome of a guy who just, just destroyed a bowl game and just, what I'm saying is you watch him, you watch him, you thought, man, that guy has every single tool. I think it's more than it wasn't necessarily like the top level production. You watched him throw the ball. He was so big. You were just like, I mean, this, I mean, this guy, this guy could be really great. And man, he was bad. Yeah. So to, man, he was bad. So go to first overall in 2007 was horrible. And then there's just all kinds of stories that came with it. Just the legend of him, like. See, this is where <laughs> this is bad. I I get him mixed up with some of the stories about him, with stories about Vince Young. But he is he is Jamarcus Russell the one who rented out like entire flights, or is that Vince no, Young? No, that's Vince Young. Jamarcus Russell is the, <laughs> Jamarcus Russell was the they gave him the blank tape and said, "We put thirty plays on this tape. Show us, tell us your best five. And there was nothing on the tape. And they asked him, they're like, which ones did you like? And he like listed off plays and they were like, there's nothing on this tape. You didn't watch it. <laughs> like that, that's, that's a story that goes around the, every the, like draft. Yeah. The thing that know. also is just like his inability to like control his weight. He, I think he, yeah. he, totally tried to come back. he got into. I think he had John Lucas, former Maryland great as his life coach at one point. Um, He's tried to return to the NFL a couple of times. It's just uh, his best season. So I'll give everyone – I'll give the best season for each of these guys, unless it's like a lineman or something. Uh, his, his second season league started 15 games, 53% completion percentage, 2,400 yards, 13 TDs, 8 picks. Um, Yeah, not good. Got arrested for coding Sarah possession in 2010. Mm. There you go. That's yeah, a, that's good a pick. pick. RDT? Hell of a pick. Uh, I'm going to take the other guy that, that Banks was um, talking about without naming. It, it's Ryan Leaf. It's, yeah. I mean, those All two time. are – they're going to be linked forever. Um, and, and again, I mean, you kind of think of – they're similar. Obviously, so he was the second pick in 98. Manning went one. Um, there was the whole back and forth between, you know, who you're going to take. And I, I think Leaf had one of those comments where he was like, you know, I, I, I'm going to beat – Something about like beating the Colts and he'll never forget it, and it's like that. I mean, the Colts couldn't have made a better pick there. Um, out of Washington State, he's like he's six five, two thirty five. So again, another big guy, big arm. Just didn't have it in San Diego, um, and he's he's 
he had the problems too, where he had the the famous, you know, knock it off. Uh, yeah, there's, you know, there's, there's the, some great video. The reporter in the locker room, and I think Junior say I was pulling him away, and he was into you know drugs and pills and and pretty much everything. And now I I mean, as of recently, I know he's turned it around. Um, and he I mean, he was a quarterbacks coach at West Texas A and M, which isn't much, but. I mean, you know, he, it, it seems like he's doing all right now. I think he's doing some motivational speaking and stuff. And, I mean, he, he was just so bad. He was a Heisman Trophy finalist. His NFL numbers, 317 completions, 655 attempts. That's 48.4%. 14 touchdowns, 36 interceptions, uh, 3,666 passing yards. And, I mean, he, like, he didn't have a long career at all. It was, it was San Diego from 98 to 2000. The Bucs in 01 tried to come back with the Cowboys in 01 too, and and that was about it. So he he got into all that trouble off the field, and um, yeah, I mean he he's again it seems like he's sober now, and I think he was working even as a college football analyst, uh, I think on ESPN two and ESPNU. So good for him for turning it around. It just sucks that it, I mean he will never ever ever be able to shed that that you know, yeah that that that, that label of being a draft bust. Yeah, when. Given when I was born and growing up, like I was not really old enough to remember him being drafted. But then from there forward, every time I would watch a draft, when the word bus came up, it was synonymous with mm-hmm. Ryan Leaf. Yep. And then Jamar- Jamarcus Russell came around in 2007, was drafted. And by took the heat off 2010, him. you know, he was maybe the new name. But you know how you, when you ju- you're just growing up and the first name that is just tied to something becomes associated with that so like closely like Ryan leaf and boss just go hand in hand. Yeah. He, he, it, it's one of the, the amazing, uh, cause the, 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 the part that I think makes him even more significant is the Peyton Manning connection. I mean, that is just two, just such divergent careers for two guys that in the, before the draft, you, you go back and read all that, you know, were considered at the same level. I mean, they were. It was like, who do you take? Do you take do you take Peyton Manning or do you take this incredible talent that is Ryan Leaf? So I think those are the two clear top picks. Um, it's uh, do, do you, real quick. Do you think if like an offensive tackle is taken first, that Leaf isn't looked at as like that much of a bust? Because like you're saying, obviously he's being compared to Peyton. You know, eye for an eye, pretty much. Like if, I think if, he definitely. I think he is to a certain extent because of how just. You know, Bad public the flame out was to the the antics. You know mm-hmm. how you know all of that different stuff. But I do think there is just something to the storyline that can be created with like this guy almost got taken in front of Peyton Manning, and Peyton Manning is one of the you know five or six best quarterbacks that ever played the game. So mm-hmm. that I definitely think is a um, is part of it. Um, I am going to take, and there's a lot. I think those are the clear top two picks. So nice job by you guys. Like you said, draft starts at three. Draft starts at three here. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to take a guy that I don't think pops in the head at the top of the list, but to me is just sort of a representation of the way the NFL has changed, and I think it's just sort of an interesting one to think about. I'm going to take Trent Richardson, who's mm-hmm. the third overall pick by Cleveland, and then had like a decent rookie year, ran for 950 yards and 11 touchdowns, but only averaged 3.6 yards a carry, and then absolutely fell off the wagon um, in his career. And a guy that at Alabama was awesome. I mean, he was awesome at Alabama, um, All-American, all all the different things you want. 
And the thing that I think is incredible about him being a bust um, is him just getting traded, him just getting traded for a first-round pick to the Colts, you know, essentially after I guess the Browns saw him and thought, this guy's done. Like They just declared him done, somehow got a first-round pick for him, and then he was terrible for the Colts. Just awful. So I'm taking Trent Richardson out of the league. He's played in the CFL. He's played in the AAF. And he's played in Football Americano de Mexico for the, <laughs> for the Cladios de Chihuahua. He, I mean, He's what? an all-time like, Ravens uh, practice squad great as well. If you Google Trent Richardson, which I did before, Trent Richardson Ravens is like the third thing that pops up. So he's he signed with this with this this um this team in Mexico on February 11, 2021. This is a quote. When asked of his role on the team, Richardson said, "Quote: My role will be dot dot dot. We'll have to let y'all know." <laughs> I just I don't know. I I just don't understand what that means. He's at he averaged two point nine yards a carry in the AAF. He's one of the one of the all-time running back busts. There's a lot of good running back busts. Not to give any pick, I won't give any picks away, but um, just um, yeah, Trent Richardson. So I'm going to take him at three, and then I'm going to take a guy that I want to take just because I think the circumstances are kind of fun to discuss, and um, and a guy that like bet on himself and just it absolutely went terribly wrong. I'm going to take USC Mike Williams, mm, who tried wow. to get himself into the draft as a sophomore when you weren't eligible as a sophomore, got forced to sit out his entire junior year, came to the draft, got picked 10th, and sucked in the NFL. Sucked. 50, 127 catches for 1,500 yards in his career, five touchdowns, had one decent year with Seattle in 2010, but other than that was a disaster, was a part of a run of Detroit just awful Detroit Lions picks is another thing gets talked about. The Matt Millen compilation is a tremendous part of every draft week. That will, I'm sure, be coming at some point this week. Um, and I just the, – the Mike Williams um, and the other person that was also doing this that I won't discuss who could – I guess theoretically could take in this draft, so I won't bring him up. That entire thing of them challenging the NFL and the legality of them being left out of the league was a giant story for a period of time in the – 2004 I guess range was that the um, same year them too I both forgot of them were, all about that both yeah. of them were trying to do it they were two giant stars on the two best two of the best three or four college football programs Williams USC was the best program in college football he was a giant star you know they had you know all those different guys some that could also get picked in this draft um and that was a big story and he just sat out the year he just straight up sat out the entire 2004 year, got picked in 2005, um, and was terrible. Um, and he was amazing at USC. Uh, so fun to watch. All so American Test three would just moss guys six five, just a giant target. Um, so I, I've always found that situation interesting, and I think it kind of gets lost as what was a big story. And it's amazing that in a in in a time of player empowerment. No one has tried to do it since. No one as a sophomore, you know, this has been talked to, like, let Trevor Lawrence come out, let Blank come out. No one has challenged this rule except for when those two guys did, and I won't mention it. We'll mention the other guy after he doesn't get picked. But, um, so I'm going to take Mike Williams from USC because I just think that's a that's a fascinating – that guy wanted to be in the draft a year early and then was horrible in the NFL. <laughs> um, RDT. Give me the 2003 NCAA football cover athlete 
We're talking billboards all over New York City. Joey Harrington, baby. Mm. He was, again, I mean, you talk about a guy who, if, if you're building a quarterback in a, in a lab, I mean, he's, he's, that's what you come out with. I mean, his, you know, he has the perfect quarterback body, 6'4", 210, um, was awesome at Oregon. And he was, I mean, he was the one that kind of put Oregon on the map to where it is today. It wasn't Oregon before Joey Harrington and, and when he was putting up those numbers there. I, I think he finished third or fourth in the, or second in the Heisman um, back in 2001. He, I mean, but he was so much fun to watch. And, again, it's like I just remember leading up to the draft, they had the massive billboard, Nike billboard of him in New York City. And you're like, oh, my God, this guy is going to be a, a beast. And then, like you said, like he, he, he was on the cover of NCAA and I probably played that game until the, the disc didn't work anymore. But, and it's funny cause now I'm looking back at his stats in college, the, his sophomore year threw for 1180 yards in eight games, third year, his junior year, 12 games, 204 completion percentage, 52 and 52.8%, 2,967 yards, 22 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. His senior year, 12 games, 214 completions, 364 attempts for 58.8% completion, 2,764 yards, 27 touchdowns, six picks. Mm. Not great, but but again, I mean, why like, why was that guy all world? I like, don't, <laughs> now that I'm looking back on it, it's like I don't know. Um, he was so he was the thing, and also he played he, he piano. By huge. the way, did you hear about that? Yeah, no, no, no. way. He played Joey the piano. Yeah, he tickled no the ivories. Way. Are you sure? No way. Yep. Yep. Here we go. His nickname was Captain Comeback among among <laughs> fans for his ability to lead Oregon to victory in late game situations. He was a he, he was a huge deal heading into that draft. Eleven and two. Yeah, I mean he was. Oh, and here it is too. Two thousand two Fiesta Bowl against uh, uh, blah blah blah. Three hundred fifty yards, four touchdowns, and and beat Colorado. So obviously that's the last thing on your mind. Um, but yeah, I mean he he flamed out talking about uh lions draft picks that didn't really work out and that put him up there uh just got traded to miami and listen listen to this quarterback room john kitna josh mccown and uh joey harrington Whew. Mm-hmm. lighting the world on fire there uh yeah dolphins and then uh back up with the falcons back up with the saints that's all she wrote oh seven he's only only in the league oh two three four five six seven he was terrible so, yeah was not terrible. not not great at all but again he had it all it it, it seemed like he did so all right, Banks, you got two. I do have two. I'm going to start off my two picks with who I thought was, at the time, the best college-wide receiver I'd ever seen to that point in my life, um, or at least like within my set of memories. That's Charles Rogers, who was the yeah, second was overall awesome. pick for the Detroit Lions. Michigan the stuff he did at Michigan State sometimes, like he would just make catches that just didn't make any sense. Like I remember him catching one at the back – of the end zone at Notre Dame stadium that like he was out of bounds. Like his whole body was, was well out of bounds. And somehow he found a way to just like tilt his body and get the one foot in. And it just blew my brain and just burned was so burned into my head that this guy is going to be a hall of famer, no doubt. And um, didn't go so hot for him. And, and actually he's no longer with us. So RIP. Um, but he, yeah, I mean, he just couldn't stay out of his own way on a lot of different things. Had some he, drug issues. He played three seasons. He didn't even play 16 games. He played five games his rookie year, one game his sophomore or second year, and nine games his uh, final year where he wasn't even really a starter. Uh, second overall pick uh, 
had a total of 36 catches and 440 yards in the league. So. I think he, he broke his collarbone like three different times. Like that, that's what the injury, yeah. I know he, he was injured a bunch and it was always a collarbone. And I, I mean, I was right there with you too. I loved him. He was in a Madden commercial um, where he was singing a song and all that. Like he, I, I loved him. I thought he was going to be a monster too. He was sick. Absolutely sick. Um, my next pick, I'm actually going to like, I'm going to kind of move away from the top of the draft. And this is, this is really going to be, uh, cause, cause we're, we're, yeah, we're putting the players on trial a little bit here, but the GMs also need to catch some, some, some sure. flack here. So a mere four years ago, five years ago, this GM who just won a Super Bowl traded up into the second round, gave away his third and fourth round pick to move into the second round and take Roberto Aguayo. Roberto Aguayo, tremendous. Florida State was an awesome kicker in college. You got to give him credit for that. But he moved all that draft capital capital to kick up, move up for a kicker in the second round of the draft, which is in itself is already idiotic. But the guy was an absolute disaster, and they 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 cut him by the end of his rookie year. So Roberto Aguayo, which was on Hard Knocks, that was an amazing yeah. storyline on Hard Knocks. Mm-hmm. Of them having to cut, uh, or him just struggling, him struggling and struggling and struggling, um, yeah, tough. Yeah, Jason Jason Light got off the hook though. He got the job done, but yeah. man, was that what a transition that is to be that guy? Where I mean, it's real tough to come back from that and keep your job and get where he did. Pretty incredible. RDT. Um, this could, I mean, we could go another. This is another guy who I thought was going to be all world wide receiver, absolute stud. Um, watching him in college, he, he was the most. I, I still remember I had a bet that he would, that this guy would be another, would be better in the NFL than Alshon Jeffrey because they were in college at the same time. Justin Blackman, who was a guy with all the talent in the world. Um, and, and I, it, it seems to be a common uh, – the common denominator here. Can't get out of their own way. The famous stories of the, the draft scouts um, going to the bars in Oklahoma State, and he would be there, like, same time every day. And these guys were, like – basically, they were, they were put in these bars to see if he would come in, and he always would. And, again, legal trouble. I think I've no, a handful of DUIs, four, five, maybe. Jesus. Um, I thought he was going to be an absolute unstoppable wide receiver. And I think he flamed out with the Jaguars, and I don't think he's gotten another chance um, anywhere else. Yeah, so. just another guy that could just not stay out of his own way, unfortunately. Just, he was yeah, just, and and that was what? That was pretty recently. I mean, was he drafted in yeah, two years Two years in the league? Jaguars 2012, 2013, fifth overall mm. pick in 2012. So 93 catches, 1,280 yards, and six touchdowns in those two years, but – yeah, he was uh he just couldn't do it. That's a good pick. Justin Blackman should have been awesome. Um I'm trying to think of which there's there's a couple different ways I want to try to go here. Um and I sort of like I sort of I'm going to jump on um a little bit of what you did with the Roberto Aguayo pick banks and kind of get on a team that 
Probably should just not have drafted this guy that high, but then he was just atrocious in the NFL. In 2011, the uh, Minnesota Vikings made the decision to take Christian Ponder at 12 overall for seemingly (laughs) no reason. He was projected to be a third-round pick. They traded all the way up. In, I, think, I think they traded to that pick. I, I might have to go check that. Um, he got picked behind um, two other people that could very much get selected in this draft, and Cam Newton will not get selected in this draft. Um, his best season at Florida State, 20 touchdowns, 8 picks. He had 49 touchdowns and 30 picks at Florida State. Was never all that impressive um, as a Seminole. Gets picked 11 overall, um, and that just absolutely sucked for the Vikings. Um, and why he got picked that high? Um, is why I cannot wait for this draft because, who knows, someone could just get desperate for a quarterback and pick Kyle Trask or Kellen Mond or somebody (laughs) in the first round, Um, and that's what makes the draft so fun. So uh, Christian Ponder jumps on the squad at at number nine, Um, and I hated Florida State, and I honestly – He was a game manager there. Yeah, total total game manager there. Everybody didn't like him, Um, and honestly, I didn't mind seeing him not succeed. I'm sure he's a great guy, but – couldn't stand Florida State and and he was just he never you watch guys in college and you look, watch Joe Burrow and you're like that trans that translates to the NFL or you watch you know whoever you never watched one down at Florida State and thought whoo Christian Ponder yeah first round quarterback right. <laughs> not one time and he got taken 12th so yeah tough some, scene some some would say his wife's a piece of work too but mm-hmm. some uh will not comment uh, uh, with that said, in the same draft, in the same draft, in the same, what a draft it was, at number eight, and RDT may remember this one, uh, Jake Locker <laughs> goes to the Titans, eighth overall. It went very, 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 very poorly after that. Uh, and he just decided to, to, he just lost his passion for football in 2015 and said, we'll absolutely see you. Four seasons, 27 touchdowns, 22 picks. Never looked that good at all. Was just sort of managing games for the Titans. Um, And a guy that is honestly a bust, not just from what happened in his NFL career, but he was a giant recruit going to Washington. He was a local kid, expected to sort of be like the savior of the program, and never exactly like hit the high marks he should have been, you know, like Heisman Trophy candidate but still got picked in the top 10. College stats, 53 touchdowns, 35 picks. His best season was 21 touchdowns and 11 picks. He never had over a 58% completion percentage in college. He was not that great at Washington, got picked in the top 10, and then stunk for the Titans. You know what? It's It was the athletic, the his him just being an athletic freak. Like I think he was a really yep, good baseball player. People were too. obsessed with his... His measurements, you know, he, six, he tested off the three, you know, could move big arm. It, it just people couldn't believe that it just wasn't happening, but it never mm-hmm. happened. It just never happened. It just no, never and, happened. And I mean, I'm not making excuses, but like those Titans teams were terrible. Like if you go back and look at his record, like, I mean, or not his record, the team's record, they like they had no weapons. I think like Nate Washington was a top wide receiver. Yeah. yeah, there was nobody good there, but I mean, it was. Again, I never saw it in in Jake Locker, and I think I think that was the draft I wanted Marcel Darius. I think the big he, uh, he at was, one point you can you name the quarterback? He and Charlie Whitehurst, October twenty second. This is a dark time for the Titans, Eric. It was a bad couple of years. 
Charlie Whitehurst and Jake Locker were benched in favor of what rookie quarterback in 2014? Oh, um, mm, oh. It was um, it, not Rusty Smith. It's um, no, I have the wrong year. Oh, I can see him. Same, same shit, different, different year. It the kid from LSU is who I'm thinking of, Mettenberger. Oh yeah, that's, Zach Mettenberger. Zach Mettenberger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who looked like yeah. um, he looked like fucking uh, McConaughey. Yeah, McConaughey this is and, what's uh, this LSU. Is, yep. This is what's amazing about that draft. So, Locker goes eight. Another quarterback I will not name who could go in this draft goes ten. Christian Ponder goes twelve. Here are the other guys that go it's directly the after. It's bad. Cam Newton, Von Miller, Marcel Darius, AJ Green, Patrick Peterson, Julio Jones, Alden Smith. Then you get to Jake Locker. Then Tyron Smith goes nine. Then JJ Watt goes eleven. Mm-hmm. Then Nick Fairley goes thirteen after Ponder, and then Robert Quinn, Mike Pouncey, Ryan Kerrigan to finish out the top six. Fairley is who this I want. This is why you do not overdraft a quarterback. Mm-hmm. That is the that is the draft right there. Because except for the guy that went ten who will not be said yet, and I will definitely not be drafting in this draft. Ponder and Locker straight up just overdrafted. Straight up overdrafted. So. All right. Um, RDT. I will go, and I don't, may, people may say I'm pandering. It's the Wonder Boy. It's Kyle Bowler. Mm. Mm. I mean, <laughs> you guys lived it. I watched it from the outside looking in. Ugh. I mean – Bowler. He was he was gonna he was supposed to be the guy. He had the looks. He's you know the California sixty the, yards the, off his knees. Yeah, you want to talk about it? You know a, a draft highlight tape. I mean, that guy just he just again you thought he had it all. He just stunk. Um, you know what's kind of crazy is he mentored Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, like and and that like I'm looking at his <laughs> his his numbers at Cal right now and they're not even good. Like there's an article I think around like a year into Aaron Rodgers um, being in green Bay and he's behind Favre. And then Kyle Bowler has that like career game on Monday night football against the Packers. Mm-hmm. And then the conversation with Rodgers just comes, just starts up about how Rodgers, like I, I stumbled across this article a couple months ago. So I'm like trying to recall it. It was just busted and left the league. I mean, he spent a little time in Oakland, um, I mean, he's off the face of the earth. Like he, I think I've, I think he has a Twitter account and he's got like 125 followers or something. I'm not even he's, kidding. I'm not even making this up. He's gotta be, he's gotta be like an offensive coordinator. So yeah. some so, high school in California. I mean, I could, we could do an entire episode on Kyle Bowler and how we, we had a dynasty in front of us. If we had just made, if Kyle Bowler was just somebody else. If I don't know if we, there's all kinds of what ifs, but if we had a quarterback with the same time that we had Ed Reed and Ray Lewis at their peak, like we should have won multiple Super Bowls before 2012. Career high touchdown passes in a season for him. What do you think? Uh, 14. Taylor. Um, actually 14 sounds unbelievably right. <laughs> I'll say 15, 13. Mm. Mm. I actually thought it was 14. I because I, I was trying to think of it in my head, and uh, thanks sniped my number. I should have gone low. Whatever. Uh, yeah, Kyle Bowler. I don't know why one. I just looked up at my TV and Vlad Guerrero Senior in an Orioles uniform is hitting a home run on Sports Center. Right, because Vlad Junior hit three bombs tonight. Uh, he hit one. Well, he hit it off Max Scherzer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the highlight they just showed. Two, two, uh, two pitchers have given up home runs to Senior and Junior. It was. 
I think it was Scherzer and Ivan Nova. <laughs> I was going to ask the trivia Nova. question, but I, I didn't think you, you guys would get that. Wow. Uh, Banks got two. Uh, man, Buller was actually going to be my, my fifth round pick. I'm surprised he was still there. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to make it about him, you know. I wanted that to be a throw-in at the end. So, um, I got to think about what I want to do here. If I really want to make it a little more Ravens-oriented, I have another player I can throw in here. Two, three even, actually, on my board. Um, I also have a shot I could take at somebody that would make me feel pretty good. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take my shot. I'm going to pick Dwayne Haskins. Ooh. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to take Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. It's only two years ago, 2019. Yeah, yeah he could figure it out. Uh, he's in what? He's in Pittsburgh now, right? Like, mm-hmm. conceivably, who, who I could eat the shit out of my words, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you, there's something, there's a difference between being a quarterback drafted in the first round, top half of the first round, uh, like he was, and just not having it, like Jake Locker, just not being that dude. Or, like, sometimes you just get injured and just circumstances, like another quarterback that I have on my board that I don't don't think I'm going to take, but I could name. Um, There's something extra when there's just extracurriculars going on that are just attitude or whatever it might be that just makes you truly a bust. And Dwayne Haskins, with his whole thing with the strip clubs and the signing or taking selfies before the game's over, like – just the rampant reports of coming out of one of the most leaky buildings that exists on planet earth, really. Um, Dwayne Haskins is bus city. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Couldn't happen to a better guy, (laughs) but no, I mean, the, the, the Dwayne Haskins thing is so interesting. I mean, obviously transparently as three people that support Maryland, the whole Dwayne Haskins thing is very close to home. And I I, I really don't like, in general, hating on kids for making this in high school. I mean, look, why would you not go to Ohio State and play there? He was great at Ohio State. Absolutely great. What makes his him such a bust is uh, him just sort of look, having every opportunity to be a savior to a franchise that has been just looking – for the quarterback, you know they had it for the RG three for five seconds, but it just has not one had for had not not had one. God, I can't talk. Not had one for so long, and it just ended in such a brutal way for this kid. Um, there, and you're right. He is uh, he is so young. I mean, he is 23. I mean, this could turn around at any point, but the fact that the Washington football team was so ready to just move on from him is not a great endorsement in his direction. Um, and for his sake, you hope he figures it out. But, yeah, he is at this point a a big bust as the 15th overall pick in 2019. Okay. I, with my last pick, do you have anything to add there, Eric, by the way? Nothing? No. Guy, guy stinks. <laughs> by the way, uh, went to school with Dan Snyder's son. People forget that. Um, he's drafted. And then he gave the entire thing about the Giants not taking him. Guy doesn't know where he's from. Is he from New Jersey? Is he from the DM? Yeah. Well, and we would I be mean, so tough on him as as Maryland folks if he didn't make such a scene about him staying home. The whole thing was which a it wasn't even his home, or was and it? And then before or? the dra- before the draft, yeah. he said I rooted for the Giants. And then after the draft, he was like, "Oh, I, 
he he's clearly a guy that is a little bit of a people pleaser, and I don't think it has served him well as a professional. He's a brand but guy. At least he, him, and his family made all that money by charging entry to his that party. At, I mean, we've talked about this. With this we've talked about Hassel at the bowling alley across the street from my old apartment. At the bowling yeah, alley, I'm, it's kind of it's, it's just kind a, of shitty. You didn't go, dude. It's I, I wish I could describe to you this bowling alley. It's just right off of two seventy. It's not even like in a glamorous place. Like there's a home Depot in the same parking lot. <laughs> it's a joke. And he did. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, the whole, the whole thing has been, Oh man, has been a lot. These geese with that. This is the season he had at Ohio state. 50 touchdowns, eight <laughs> picks, 70% completion percentage, 4,800. And that's an incredible beat year. out, beat out Joe Burrow for the job. Beat out Joe Burrow for the job. Beat out the number one pick who looks like he's going to be, I mean, it, what a weird career for this guy. Just such a weird career. And he's 23 years old. He's born in 1987. All right. Good luck to him. All right. All right. All right. Man, there's a lot of different directions I could go here. I expected more of my board to be gone. I I actually only put together 14 names, and there'd be 15 possible picks. I knew there'd be some names that would come up. And there's like eight names left. I can't believe it, to be honest. Uh, I'm going to take – I got to take Johnny football. I got to do it. I just have to do it, especially with the criteria I just laid out about just the extraness that goes on just off the field that just add to the bustness of a bust. Uh, Johnny football has to be a pick, and I'm going to be the guy to take it. Yeah, I was going to I was gonna take him last <laughs> if he got there. I, th- yeah. I thought about it. It has to be said, we talked about this for a second earlier, the moment he got selected in the draft was absolutely elect- an electric factory. Well, All the stuff with the Cowboys, him walking up and doing the money was, I mean, I was losing my, I was like, this is awesome. This guy, I was, you know, Brown, Brown's obviously, I was like, I want this guy to be awesome. It was just, his whole college career was fun. All the off-field stuff, the entire thing. Guys like five eleven and a half. Just uh, Gruden just selling his soul in the broadcast for that. You know Johnny Football was going to be good, and Kuiper just being like, I, 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 I just don't know. And and Gruden just like just like hammering and hammering <laughs> and the whole thing. It's on YouTube. The whole thing. Yeah, is- the whole thing's great. And also, by the way, the Trent Richardson trade to get the first rounder from the Colts, they used that first rounder to move up and take Johnny Manziel. So, I mean, it's just like a double whammy for the Browns to take a brutal pick with a third overall pick, then kind of redeem themselves by somehow getting a first rounder back for what was kind of, kind of a lemon and then just kind of diving right back in. And the, it's in a, I won't say it until after, cause I guess this guy could get picked. So are you all right, table that um, discussion for a second. And yeah. re- real quick, what was the what was the story they always talk about? The, ho- the like the Browns owner saw a homeless guy like walking around, and the guy told him that you have to draft Johnny Manziel. Yeah, or whatever. some weird, weird <laughs> like, thing. Like, yeah, the Browns. Browns is the Browns, baby. Yeah, just, the Browns it's is the Browns. Incredible. Oh, thing. it's great. <laughs> I never met no one that wants to go on vacation in Cleveland. Shout out, Joe Kim Noah. Um, <laughs> My my last one is, and again, this this one is going to be uh, more recent, and obviously I've paid more attention to it than probably you guys. And I I wrote about it in the blog a couple of times. Isaiah Wilson, the Titan, the guy that the Titans just drafted, 
and cut and they traded him or they didn't trade him or they didn't cut him. They traded him and he got cut already. I think he's one of the biggest draft busts in NFL history. I don't think he'll ever play another down in NFL football. I think he played four snaps uh, this season and he's, he's already out of football. Um, he's pursuing a raft career as of now. And again, <laughs> wow, you can't, That's you a can't great throw in. Yeah, it's, it is. the guy was, the guy was drafted a year and what, three days ago. And he's already pursuing his rap career. That's yeah. that's an all time record. I mean, you don't go from draft to to rap that quick. But this is the guy who couldn't couldn't get on the field. Number one, tested positive. It was on the COVID list like three times. Got a DUI the Saturday night before the Titans Monday night home opener. And he got his DUI. It wasn't just like he had a couple of drinks and got pulled over. He was doing donuts in an intersection and lost control of his car, hitting a wall. Um, Did he go to Georgia? Georgia. Yep. He was, he's from like the, I think he's from the Bronx. Um, he was also, he was, again, we talked about how great last year's draft was. He was the one where he was crying when he got drafted and his girlfriend was hugging him and his mom comes in and pushes the girlfriend out of the frame. Like <laughs> there were, I mean, and again, so he, he played four snaps all season. I believe two of them were on oh my God. Um, extra points in a Colts game where, where it was a blowout. The Titans won two of them were kneel downs. And one of the extra points, he got absolutely blown up and just blown off the ball. And like you look, he's like 6'8, 330, just like a massive human being. Mm. Um, but again, I, I think he's out of football, and I don't think he will ever play a, a down of NFL football. This That's is a guy who I think he played football because he was good. I don't think he played it because he liked it. Like, and, and yeah, not a top pick. I think it was the 28th pick, 27th pick, something like that. So again, I, I would take. I think he's one of the biggest busts because the guy has never played and it, and it's not an injury. It's not a something that, you know, a heart defect you found after the draft. This guy just doesn't give a shit. He, he wanted NFL money, but he didn't want to be in the NFL. So that's. Yeah. And again, yeah. it may be recency bias, but he's just, he was just so bad. That's a tough. I mean, it's tough when you get picked in the first round, you barely play. And especially, I mean, for a team to give up on you one less than a year in, he got he got put on the like non football play like the non injury list in like October and the Titans told him go home we'll see it we'll see you next year and then when he got when he got traded to the Dolphins they had they were like hey do you want to come to this training and this mandatory thing and he's like yeah or they were like you have to come to this just didn't show up and they were like all right we're done they they cut him like three days later so it's not a bad pick uh, I'm gonna take a guy that's a combination of being a uh, a bust as a player. Uh, based on his status in college and a guy that got put in a bad position by just a clearly terrible move um, by uh, uh, management. And I'm going to take one of the all-time publicized athletes, I think of our lifetime from a couple of different perspectives. I'm going to take Mr. Tim Tebow um, at the last pick in this draft, 25th overall. And I am a Tim Tebow guy. Love me some <laughs> Timmy T. And his pat, his whole thing against the Steelers is one of the outrageous NFL playoff moments really in the history of the league, the <laughs> fact that he was able to win a playoff game. But he just never should have gone in the first round. And, or any round. <laughs> um, he should, I mean, he should have gotten picked and probably should have had a position change. But he was great in college, but it was just incredibly clear to everyone that was watching college football, that he was not going to be a good NFL quarterback. Arm slot, the, the way they catered the offense around him. Clearly a winner. Clearly a great leader. Bust. Straight up bust. Your quarterback, you get picked in the first round. Josh McDaniels. You, yeah, Josh McDaniels. 
never had a you know like played three seasons. Amazingly, he has 17 touchdowns and nine picks. But when you watch those games, it was just. I mean, the offense was just an absolute slog. He would throw some of the worst balls. The fluttering ducks. But the fact that he hit Demarius Thomas in stride in overtime to win that game <laughs> was an all-time electric moment. And so for that, I want to mention him in this draft. He's a giant bust. But also, you know, give me one of the great neutral fan moments I think I've ever had watching the NFL. So I'm going to go with Tim Tebow. Finish it off here. I love it. I absolutely love it. He, I mean, he had to be picked, and I think people – they're so polar opposites, but there's a lot of just like, hmm, this guy's a little different. And some people are really into him and some people are really not. And this Tim Tebow and Johnny football, just two really polarizing and interesting college football legends that um, got and, taken in late in the first and did not go so hot. Yeah, legends. And the word legend is right. Like, Two guys Heisman that won the Heisman Trophy, two guys that were must-watch TV, CBS, 330, SEC, in gigantic games. I mean, Tebow won two national championships, so he's clearly the more accomplished guy. But like, And now he's playing baseball. I mean, the whole thing is just... No, he retired from or, that Sorry, too. he's retired, was playing yeah. baseball. He was like an analyst. I mean, he's just... You know, obviously all the faith stuff you know, comes into play with the analyst analysis of him. But, but now Johnny Football is going to be a golfer. Sure. Get him yeah. out there. Honorable mentions. Josh Rosen. I had Tim yeah, Couch. I had Josh Rosen. Tim, Tim Couch. Couch. I had David, David Carr. The Boz. I had the Boz. Gilly um, Smith, Ron Dane. I had a local one. Uh, I think Tavon Austin is a bust. Interesting, yeah. yeah. Um, Kevin White. There's certain guys Perennial that – Perennial first-round pick. Some of it's defined by, like – I wouldn't say this guy's a bust, but based on what I thought he was going to be and what most people thought he was going to be, like Reggie Bush looked like he was going to be a surefire, yeah. you know, a, electric factory of a decade-long player, and he was never bad. And I was he, close to put him on my list, and I wasn't sure where to classify. And he was a returner, like an all-pro as a returner, and was on winning teams and had a thousand-yard rushing seasons. He's just you watched him at USC and you were like, this is this is the best running back in the NFL right now. Yeah, he's right now he's the best one. He's so unbelievably shifty and would just. I remember reading like a pre-draft book that uh, before that draft that said he shifted into gears like a Ferrari, which really was true. Like he would just ah oh, he uh. honestly it was unfathomable like at the beginning of that process to, that another player could surpass him. As the number one pick, and they picked and it happened, Rangers. and yep. it was the right pick. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was like a home run of a better pick, but like, yeah. But he was like, I mean, Mario Williams is really good for. Yeah, he was a solid player. Five or six yeah, years. he was a good player, Pro Bowler, like a four-time a, Pro Bowler. Uh, in hindsight, kind of a weak draft, I'd say. What's amazing yeah, that, is that, that Vince Young, was very Vince Young made two Pro Bowls. Reggie Bush didn't make any. <laughs> I still stand by my if if Reggie Bush was allowed to wear five, I think I think he is Barry Sanders. You know who I the top he ten in this the, draft? The... Mario Williams one, Reggie Bush two, Vince Young three, DeBrickashaw Ferguson four, All Adrian Hawk five, Vernon Davis six, Michael Huff seven, Dante Whitner now Dante now, Don, now Dante Hitner number yes. eight, Ernie Sims nine, who actually just passed was... away. I think he no, was... Ernie. Sims oh no, he did or... not. Ernie Sims another. It Gino was, uh, Hayes. Uh, Gino, Gino Hayes did right. Another Florida yeah. State linebacker. Excuse me. Sorry, Ernie. Family. <laughs> He's a listener. Um, He's a listener too. Yeah. So. Matt Liner ten, Jay Cutler eleven, Haloti not a twelve. That's an all-time bad top 
top a 11. Great, great fun top 12 of names right there. That's and a great, in that's that first a fun round, draft class. Antonio Cromartie is in the first round of that draft. <laughs> um, Chad Greenway. When do we start seeing the Cromartie kids uh, in first, I guess, Gotta be college, college recruiting and then subsequently the draft? Yeah. I feel like Patrick Sertain, by the way, was – Two years just, ago. Like yeah, just a college guy, and now he's like that was very quick from him. His um, um his Antonio Camardi's first kid, according to Wikipedia, was born in twenty ten, a daughter. He oh, has okay. fourteen children from eight women. I mean that's an all time <laughs> it's an all time hard knocks episode. Yeah. Like that that there that is. Uh, by the way, uh, another um, Well Jackson was taking thirty four for overall Raven or the uh, Terps had two picks in the top thirty four. Should have been higher. Yeah. Um, here's a, here's a bust that we missed, and we talked about it him earlier too. Is Kellen Winslow? Yes. That I mean, like I'm, 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 I'm a mother effing soldier. Now. What an incredible mm-hmm. rant! I that guy I, was very polarizing. I had another second round pick um, that I had here on my board that I don't, I wasn't gonna do this twice where I like reach into the second round for a bust, but this guy is special because he's like a pre bust because he was almost hailed as the the soon to be top five, if not number one overall pick, like 18 months in advance. And then he just absolutely flamed out in college. And then somebody still took him in the second round. And he like, I don't know that he ever even made, like got a jersey. I don't know that he ever set, like ever played in a regular season game. Christian Hackenberg. Mm. Oh, he stinks. Mm. Jets. <laughs> he stinks. He Such was supposed to be the number one overall pick. Yes, he like, was. He was so. This guy is so projectable. He's when, not did he, all did the he have the good Rose Bowl? Did he play in that Rose Bowl? Or when, he, that... when he played against Maryland at uh, in that game that Brad Craddock hit the kick to win, he was so bad in that game. So and I was like, there's just what no is... shot this guy can play in the NFL. No shot. No shot. So, so there's like all kinds of extra juice into w- if I had taken Hackenberg. Because he was Not like, a bad pick. he was anointed and then was busting oh. before he was even picked. Five star, was very good as a freshman. I'm looking up the stats right now. Like 20 touchdowns, 10 picks as a true freshman at Penn State on a Penn State teams that were like going through all kinds of stuff after, you know, everything that had happened there. Yeah, got picked fifty first overall. Uh, I had Cedric Benson. Mm. Um, he Texas passed away guy. too, didn't he? Yeah. So, um, Man. God, Christian Hackenberg. Wow, that is a great pull. He really was anointed as the second. I mean, he's a little lockerish in their careers. Both kind of burst onto the scene. Five star recruit. That's why when you were you were talking about him, it occurred to me like. We're doing a lot of, um, I don't know, preambles into our picks before we name the pick. And numerous times during this draft, I thought you were describing a player who I was about to take, and it didn't mm. turn out to be that player. And you just come to find there's so much overlap amongst these players in their bustiness. They're just like, yeah, yep, quarterback that just didn't really seem to care. And just like, hey, you know, was kind of touted as a projectable NFL prototypical guy. And then he just like, wasn't that great in college. And then like, sure enough, drafting league bust. <laughs> RG three. 
Yeah, it's an interesting one too. About. Vince yeah. Young probably has to be talked about. Um, two Pro Bowls though. <laughs> yeah, two Pro Bowls and and, and both and, rookies of the year. Robert Griffin the third clearly was gonna maybe have a lot of NFL success if he doesn't get hurt. I mean that you know the yeah. The football team mismanaged him potentially. We have a soft spot in our heart for like Mark Sanchez is a weird one because he made two AFC championship games, but if as the tenth or as the fifth overall pick, I mean, but you kind of can't take that away from him. Um, there are some ones if you go back into the archives in the top ten. I mean, there are some guys like Troy Williamson who was a wide receiver out of oh yeah. Out of uh, South Carolina to the Vikings, just an absolute joke. We just lost Eric. We just lost Eric. Um, um, we'll just keep talking. Kevin Kevin White, you you said at the top. Yeah. I mean, just 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 absolutely horrible. I've got. Uh, a, I was going to mention in the Manziel draft, Justin Gilbert was their other first yeah. pick, and at the end of the night, Gruden is like, they just got their shutdown corner of the future, and they just got their quarterback of the future, and the and the Cleveland Browns are off and running. Justin Gilbert was horrible, horrible. I thought he was going to be good too. Yeah. Horrible. Um, Oklahoma State, tough, uh, tough run for Oklahoma State. I've got, I've got three Ravens that really stick out to me, and there's a couple more that you could probably throw in there. Probably more than a couple, but um, probably the, mm, probably the king of the mountain is Sergio Kindle. He gets a little bit Ooh. tougher a rap because he was, he was actually a second round pick, but people, because he was the first player taken by the Ravens in that draft. He uh, he kind of catches a little more heat than maybe you should, but he played a couple special team snaps and that was it. Had the whole thing where he fell down the stairs and yeah. Broke Isn't that stool. crazy that we never really found out? Like th- that's all the story is. He fell down the stairs and it's like there. Yeah, I mean there there has to be more to there it. Was they had, also, there they was had also, traded out of the Tebow spot to fall back, and they that's who they took. That there pick. was also some like. Oh, this guy should have been a first-round pick. The Ravens got a steal here. Sometimes yeah. these Ravens draft picks in the second and third round get like a tough rap because the Ravens are so good at drafting that it's like, oh my god! I mean, of course the Ravens got a steal on Sergio Kendall. Right. I mean, why wouldn't have they traded back I mean, to pick this guy? It's the same thing with I'm sure. Well, I, I don't want to take who Banks was going to say because Kendall because Kendall had some you know some like character concerns coming into the draft. And, yeah, so. There's two other there's two other ones that stick out. I'm sure Ravens they're the ones, ones that you're gonna yeah that you're gonna say. Oh, Brashad Perriman is the first oh, one for sure. Yeah, yeah. Didn't even think of that. That wasn't yeah, even him. Yeah, his whole thing with the the leg injury and training camp rookie year. I mean, he just seemed like a thing that he could just never overcome. And whatever, dude. He, he's he's the epitome of just like the receiver that you just you can easily fall in love with. It's the one bugaboo of this franchise, like the guy who just runs real fast. And um, it's all, it's always funny. One of my favorite onion articles of all time is, uh, is uh, when Al Davis passed away, the, the headline of the article was like nation's fast wide receivers mourn the death of their only employer or something like that. <laughs> I mean, look, one, one, you could, one, you could mention there, um, our guy, Darius Hayward Bay, I mean, got picked. High yeah, low, should not have gone that high. Should reach. gone in the should gone, unfair to should him. gone in the twenties. Very unfair to him. And he's oh, by all accounts an awesome guy. Um, but you know when you get taken that high, he would be yeah. considered a bust. So I got Matt Elam is is the third one that I had sticking out for me. Um, no, uh, no Arthur Brown. Arthur Brown is probably 
fourth or fifth. I think Travis Taylor could be thrown in here as yeah, well. Yeah, Travis Taylor could get thrown in there. Um, he gets I like a Travis little Taylor. bit. His last name was Taylor. He gets he gets a little bit off the hook just because Jamal Lewis was taken five picks before him. So, um, but that's that's pretty much what I have there. You could probably throw in Max Williams. Um, yeah, I mean, really, Max Williams. Yeah, that was unfortunate. He got blindsided by perfect. That was a cheap shot that people don't talk about in the scheme of a lot of cheap shots by that guy. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that just get that just falls in between the cracks just because there are so many. Yeah. Of, his, of the cheap shots. You're yeah. like, oh, we, we can't mention them all. Only seen on the all 22, like, wasn't even on the, on the broadcast or anything. But when it came out, it was like, Jesus Christ, he just completely away from the play just blindside this guy so yeah matt elam and arthur brown's a tough start to a draft yeah and i'm looking through him to make sure we didn't you i'm sure you didn't i mean people had like high expectations for terrence cody what a tough draft yeah um yeah. they had a couple duds there yeah in the post-super um, bowl Stretch. I forgot Yaman Figures was a third round pick. <laughs> uh, Kansas State, right? Yeah. DeVar Darling. I mean, people are upset at how Mark never developed into anything. Yeah, Just, you can make a case there. He wasn't terrible. He's kind of like in that bucket where it's like, eh, not a boss, but didn't really yeah. didn't really pan out. So but it, what's amazing is they just didn't miss in the first round to start. Ogden Lewis, Bullware. Dwayne Starks, Chris McAllister, Jamal Lewis, and Travis Taylor. But as you said, they get Todd Heap, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs. And then they really then didn't miss on Bowler. a first-round pick until Mark Clayton. Oh, and Kyle Bowler. Bowler there every, at 19. Every t- yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of, like, they would get one if they had the two. Clearly, I guess they couldn't do two. Maybe that's – Yeah. Travis Taylor with the 10th pick in yeah. 2000. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember – I remember Kyle Bowler hitting Travis Taylor on a post for a touchdown in the preseason when he was, it was very much a competition for the job and he hit him on the post. And I was like, we got our guy. We got our guy. We're good for years to come. We were not wide receiver. It's just the wide receiver situation. It's just so bad. Patrick Johnson, not good. Travis Taylor. Ron Johnson, not Mm -hmm. not good with the Johnsons. DeVar Darling, nothing. Jared Johnson. No, I'm just looking at the wide receivers. Yeah, now Clayton. Ah, I forgot about Demetrius Williams. Yvonne figures so fast. Couldn't do much else. Yeah. Marcus Smith. Oh, Justin Harper. Uh, there it is. That's your uh, – so recap real quick. Thanks. Jamarcus Russell, Charles Rogers, Roberto Aguayo, Dwayne Haskins, Johnny Foosball, uh, RDT, Ryan Leaf, Joey Harrington, Justin Blackman, Kyle Bowler. And Isaiah Wilson. I wrote Isaiah Wilson Titans, not Isaiah Wilson R.E.T. Uh, and then I took Trent Richardson, Mike Williams, Christian Ponder, Jake Locker, and Timothy Tebow in this uh, starting five. That was fun. The draft. The draft is is a is a something I could reminisce about for hours. Let's go to uh, Maryland person of the week. Um, who would like to start? R.D.C. I'll give it to you. Uh, I'm going to give it to, uh, Madison Bumgarner mm. pulled the old, the old seven inning, no hitter complete game. You know, it was, it was, it was weird on Sunday because I'm watching baseball 
and they didn't do like a no hitter alert or anything like that because they're playing the double header, which are only seven innings. So they flat, they bring it in at the end of the set, you know, bottom of the seventh. And it's like, you know, he, he, he strikes him out or whatever. He gets the last out and they're like, there it is. He's thrown seven innings of no hit ball. And like the team is mobbing him and he doesn't really know what to do. And he's kind of just standing there. Like Madison Bumgarner probably hates everyone like he just doesn't like fun really so he didn't know how to react and they're kind of just like mobbing him on the on the mound um and then his, his, the best was his post-game interview where they asked him like so what do you think of the game and all he says is like well i want to thank the shadows here in atlanta and uh, i want to thank rob manford for making these seven inning games and he just takes the headset off and like walks away and it's like yeah, this is perfect madison bumgarner um I think it's ridiculous, like, number one, that they're not recognizing the no-hitter. I know he doesn't give a shit either way, but it's not his fault. I mean, the guy went out there and did his job. So, I just, I just – uh, that was one of the quirky things in baseball this week. So, I thought that was pretty funny. It's a, bum. It's a no-hitter. I have – It has to be. I have my reasons. It's a no-hitter. I mean, if you're going to recognize the game – the best was, like, Zach Gallon threw a one-hitter in the game in the first game. And MLB is recognizing that as a one hitter. So why are you not recognizing like? Why are we recognizing one? Well, that's what I was thinking too. But I guess in like the record books, wherever this record book is, you know, it's like here's a list of all the one hitters. So it's like, why are we not recognizing Mad Bum? And we're recognizing the one hitter. But yeah, again, Mad Mad Bum. I mean, he's 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 just he's so funny. I think, and him him to just do that and then have that sense of humor afterwards was pretty good too. Thanks. Um, my Maryland man of the week, I think is an easy one for me. I posted about it last night. Um, my grandfather passed away last Thursday. Uh, proud Baltimorean. I joke about him on the internet sometimes about how he's, you know, an extra in the replacements was a referee and cameos and not cameos, but you know, extra roles in the wire. Um, among other shows, things like that, that were kind of shot in the area, but, um, an awesome grandfather that, um, you know, just was in my life and omnipresent all the time. A lot of baseball games, a lot of memories, um, kind of struggling to really, you know, put together the words about it. So, um, proud to be his grandson and I'll miss him for sure. So that's my pick. That is a good pick. That is a good pick. Well deserving. Very much so. Yeah. Um, I will uh, give it to um, the uh, the entertainment um, epitome of the weekend, and that is uh, two friends and the uh, the big booty mix nineteen absolute banger city. Uh, once again for sixty minutes of the big booty mixes, um, had the pleasure of watching with you, Banks, and it was uh, it was electric. Um, and uh, they continue to uh, pace the game in terms of uh, hour-long mashups of hit songs. So good for them, and uh, it continues to be entertaining, and I will continue to pay money for it. So hopefully the next reveal, we can be there in person. Thank you to two friends. Opened with my maybe one, eh, probably top five favorite song of all time for me. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's a good. It, the beginning of that. It's a perfect way to start out. It's the, my karaoke song at times. Even yeah, that'll get the people yeah, going. Get some karaoke going. Ta- Taylor can vouch for that. Yeah, we need to get some karaoke going. 
That would be fun. That would be fun. Uh, any honorable mentions? I have a I have a few here. Um, Mass and app. Not the Mass and app. <laughs> I'm gonna give one to uh, Joe Rogan, John Anik, and Daniel Cormier because I find the celebration meme of them, and really the work they do on UFC TV just in general. But they had a you know dive into the pop culture um, you know world here with their reaction to the two knockouts that happened at UFC. Uh, the UFC card this weekend, Kamaru Usman ha- knocking out Jorge Masvidal, and then um, Rose Namajunas' knockout. Though, that was that's a very fun video, and, and there is really nothing ever bad that comes out of the camera they put on the announced team. There was a great one with Raftery, um, Grant Hill, and Jim Nance for the Jalen Suggs shot in the Final Four. That stuff always works. Keep doing that. Just keep doing that. It always works out. Um, so definitely one um, for that. Um, Throw I'll throw one little mention we talked about it already, but Cedric Mullins, awesome stuff. Um, talked about it already in the pod, but guy gets an honorable mention uh, for me. So those are my two. No honorable mention from the guys, and there uh, it is. I'm letting letting my pick stand alone. As it should, as so, it should. We'll, I, we'll give him a full full um, male person of the week from all three of us. Um, that is enough for the X-52 podcast draft coming up on Thursday. Um, make sure to tune into all of, uh, Oh, go ahead. You, you put your finger yeah, up. I did. I did. Cause, cause you're, you traditionally do your plugs here as you do very well, but I was going to plug um, you, but plug yourself. Well, sure. Um, going to be doing the, the NFL draft on the Barstool stream on Thursday night. Um, tune into that on barstoolsports.com. Uh, with two first round picks, I expect that I'll have double the face time as I did last year when we took Patrick queen. So tune into that, um, should be a good time and I'll be live from Jimmy seafood doing it. So, um, heck if you can make it to Jimmy's and you know, there's also a high probability that I will be at Jimmy's too. So there you go. We'll be, we'll be rolling out there. Um, make sure to follow all of Banks's uh, content. The blogs will be rolling out. Do you have a uh, draft preview dropping? I will on Thursday, just say, you know, we're not supposed to title them as questions, as Eric knows. Um, But it probably would have been phrased like, what will the Ravens do with the 27 to 31st overall picks? Going to have to think of a different title, but uh, that's just how we make this. The Ravens will do with the How we make the sausage. This is what they're going to do. Nobody knows what they're going to (laughs) do. Don't you? Don't they? We'll talk about this offline. I'll ask you this question offline. Um, obviously make sure to continue to tune into, uh, all of RDT's various podcasts and blogs and, you know, I, I, are you still opening cards RDT? I mean, how many things are you doing right now? It's, it's tough with Dallas working the games out there and the, uh, the, the, um, the West coast schedule, but well, we're, we're going to get something going soon. And it sounds like Dallas may be hosting this podcast. Some yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I forgot about that. That's a thing. We're going to have to work that in. Uh, that that's what we bet on the uh, Oakland and Baltimore series last weekend was uh, I think winner gets to host the other one's podcast. So what we're, we're going to figure it out. Cause again, I told Dallas that we, we record Tuesday nights and I know he just starting nine during the day on Tuesdays. Plus he has whatever baseball game that night. We'll fit so, him in here at some point. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get him in here for at least uh, a segment. Um, what? 
<clears throat> I know. But you I will did. not be. You That'll will not be, be involved in that segment. You I don't know, man. Will I? Okay. Yeah, I'm fine. Um, no, no, no. We'll, we will. Uh, we will figure it out. Uh, and then a final plug. One to know. Pandas kickball Thursday nights at McHenry Row. Mm. Um, a pretty, you know, easy, clean win um, over Slim Kickens. Um, you know, felt like a little bit like you know a bye game. You know, we're Alabama, and we told. I, I, I don't know, San Jose State to fly across the country, so we go in by 50. A good tune-up for the Pandas. Uh, turned a triple play. You don't see that often in kickball. Um, you know, had some tremendous defensive plays. Shout-out to Emma and Keegan. Fantastic stuff from both of them. Um, offense hummed. We'll, uh, we'll see you on Thursday night, uh, 7.30, right before the draft. McHenry Row again. Um so pandas pandas are rolling. Uh, shout out to Banks, toughed out an injury um, to get out there. You know, not all heroes wear capes. Got through, you know, some stuff there and, and was able to play. So, you know, that's um, we're playing the uh, the curveballers, field number two. So um, please, please, listeners, they're not allowing fans. I know you would love to come watch me and Banks play kickball, but. That was, that got that was supposed to be seven thirty. They got moved ten minutes. Was that not? Did they just, really move that ten minutes? It says seven twenty now. Could be advantageous for us. Um, so yeah. So shout out to the pandas. Um, as I said, make sure to follow um, Banks on RDT, and that you can help by doing that by following them on their social media channels at Barstool Banks at E D I T T I twenty two. You can follow me at Taylor Smite ten. You can follow the podcast at Exit fifty two podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Enjoy the NFL draft. We are going to figure out some potential NFL draft instant analysis depending on what happens. So be on the lookout for some of that stuff and hope to have some cool stuff coming out of our trip to Jimmy's Seafood. Uh, so we will see you probably before next Tuesday. But as always, we will see you next time on the X-52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood.
Yeah.